It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at Man Rubs and on Instagram, Man Rubs. That was manrubs.com, by the way. Use the code STEAK15, 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, custom orders, hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Hello, our friends down to my pillow family. Mike Lindell, the humblest of pillow farmers, offering deals, prices lower than ever before. My pillow originals, my slippers, and Giza Dream everything. Big, big savings when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. Visit the website at mypillow.com forward slash steak. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found exclusively at Odyssey. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, red, red whining, those ears taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook as well. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms, has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies. Of course, he's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Call him via the telephone, 619-870-6992, or hit him up on Facebook Messenger. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, T-shirts, sweatshirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're uh, out there serving and protecting. In addition to that, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. Check them out. And last but certainly not least, the uh, gold standard tactical flare. You want to be extra at the range? Probably want to go out and get yourself a zero-fucks duck. Don't know what that is? Ask Mark Joe Friday at dumpbox.us. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find our link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our new Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today in the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now True Social, welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 120. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's not muted for once. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Perfect. We've got a couple big America First interviews coming up today, and we're going to have a conversation with Kyle Scheidler, 
uh, about some national security stuff as well. But before we get into any of that, let's get into the news. How's everybody doing today? Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Everybody have a nice weekend? Yeah, it was good. Just got some stuff done around the house, spring cleaning and whatnot. Perfect. It worked. What about you guys? I worked. We worked. Awesome. How's Walmart these days? Packed. You can only imagine. It's COVID's gone. That's right. (laughs) Sure is. Yeah, business is booming, to say the least. (laughs) I saw some crazy videos this, uh, this weekend from Walmart, the new TikTok challenge or something like that. What is it, shoplifting? <laughs> More like looting. <laughs> looting. Ron just spit all over his fucking notepad. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit wet for the rest of the show. That's okay, though. That's okay. Uh... Shoplifting. <laughs> Damn it, this is a serious show. You better stop. Hold on, hold on. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. You couldn't get five minutes in. Oh, I love you guys. But yeah, oh. we love you too. It pretty much goes right in line with... Some of the news we saw over the weekend, though, as I clean coffee off of everywhere. Um, I think what started and and pretty much spun the news cycle throughout the weekend was what we saw uh, last week in Joe Biden's trip to Brussels headquarters or NATO headquarters in Brussels. And uh, he had some pretty interesting comments when he was out there that kind of made everybody scratch their head a little bit more. Was it about Brussels sprouts? Than usual when Joe Biden talks. Unfortunately, it wasn't. But we're going to listen to, uh, I guess, part of his statement or speech, whatever. Let's jump into this real quick, and, and then we can start to unpack it a little bit. For decades, I sat across the negotiating table going all the way back to Soviet Premier Alexei Kosygin to talk arms control at the height of the Cold War. I've always spoken directly and honestly to you, the Russian people. Let me say this if you're able to listen. You, the Russian people, are not our enemy. I thought he was going to speak Russian. I refuse to believe that you welcome the killing Might of innocent well children and grandparents. Or that you accept hospitals, schools, maternity wards, and for God's sake, being pummeled <laughs> with Russian missiles and bombs. Hmm. Or cities being surrounded so that civilians cannot flee. I thought he was talking about to the Russian people. And attempting to starve Ukrainians <laughs> into submission. Millions of families oh, shit. are being driven from their homes including half of all Ukraine's children. These are not the actions of a great nation. Mm. Of all people, they must have you, put that the part in all people, caps. as well as all people across Europe, still have the memory of being in a similar situation oh. in the late 30s and 40s. The late 30s and 40s? Situation like World the World War II. 30s and 40s? Still mm-hmm. fresh in the minds of many grandparents. It's a dark period. In the region. Whatever your generation experienced. There you go whether it experienced a siege in Leningrad or heard about it from your parents and grandparents, train stations overflowing with terrified families fleeing their homes, nights sheltering in basements and cellars, morning sitting through the rubble in your homes. These are not memories of the past, not anymore, mm. because it's exactly what the Russian army is doing in Ukraine right now. March 26, 2022. Wait, so who is he talking just to? Just days before... The teleprompter. At the 21st, you were a 21st century nation huh? with hopes and dreams that oh. people all over the world have for themselves and their yeah. family. Pregnant now, with corruption. Vladimir Putin's aggression have cut you, the Russian people, off Wait. from the rest of the world. And it's taking Russia back to the 19th century. This is God. not who you are. 
not the future reserve you deserve for your families and your children. I'm telling you the truth. Russia, party of three. This war is not worthy of you, the Russian people. Putin can and must end this war. The American people will stand with you and the brave citizens of Ukraine who want peace. Okay. So. Hmm. A couple flubs, but not really too far off the rails, right? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. all the handlers are pretty happy with the uh, dosage amounts they gave them before they rolled them out there to... Yeah, to write that one down. Mark the syringe. Or you might think. Yeah, there's coffee on my side, too. Until it went off the rails a little bit. You ready for what sparked the uh, <laughs> controversy that's still being oh, dealt with here today? We go. Yeah. Let's hit it. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light, mm -hmm. of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Oh. God bless you all, and may God defend our freedom, and may God protect our troops. Like, do you think that was actually on the teleprompter? It wasn't. Everybody knows it. And, uh, you know, the yeah, office of the press secretary. Yeah, the office of the press secretary and the office of the White House immediately started issuing statements. He was talking in the passion of the moment. He wanted to reiterate the fact that, you know, this is it's, it's speaking rhetorically and not literally. And it got ugly. Wow. Yeah, that's, but uh, as a president, saying something like that is very serious. Well, so, like, you know. Antoinette, refresh my refresh me on this one. Joe Biden campaigned on words matter, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to make sure that was still a thing. Yeah, but only words that you know he didn't agree with. It was uh, not a good moment for him, which led into some more gaffes. Obviously, there's no audio of it, but I know we've all seen it because I've made several memes of it this weekend. But Joe Biden <laughs> visited the troops and. Man, you can't get more pictures of people giving him the absolute biggest stink eye when he's talking. And, and then, just, like, the weird, cringiest, like, who's this fucking weirdo? Like, that's basically that. the equivalent of, like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, a homeless man wandered in and is, like, eating pizza behind you extra loudly with his mouth open. Speaking of which, we all saw him choke on the pizza, right? After he assured everybody that the jalapenos weren't too hot for him, he took one bite and immediately started choking. Wait, was it behind, uh, was he being filmed with, a behind like a uh, military guy? Yeah. It was, okay, I didn't see him choke, but I saw him like kind of struggle for a second. Oh yeah, I got the video. He actually asked somebody for water and when they gave him water, he like took a sip and then like cleared his throat and then he took his napkin and just started patting his eyes because he, <laughs> he started choking on it. You know, and, and there's just bad, like, okay, that's funny, but the whole, the commander in chief eats last. And the yeah. whole, there was just so many, the, just like ugly images of him out there. Everything from not taking questions to fucking up his speech. And then making that awful uh, gaffe in return or in regards to, you know, it essentially doubles down on him, on all the people that have been speculating that Vladimir Putin needs to be removed from power. Well, you know, I mean, if everybody else is, everybody else is saying he needs to be, you know, assassinated. Why not the president too? Mm. Right. You know, I did, I did figure out another button or key we're going to need to add the, we came, we saw, he died, and then Hillary Clinton <laughs> laughing. We're going to need that one yeah. almost immediately because we're talking about this stuff on, on like a regular basis. But uh, believe it or not, CNN broke down portions of that speech on Sunday. Let's hear uh, 
if their commentary is any better than ours. Unfortunately, the, the message is just confused, which is why President Biden, I think, kind of worked himself up in this speech and then he confused. made a comment that he did. You know, but the, the White House's response, though, to say what he really meant is really gaslighting the American people. We know yep. that he really doesn't want president. He doesn't want Putin to be in power. And they could have just said, listen, we, we all recognize that Putin is evil. What he's doing is evil. But the policy of the United States is, in fact, to get to a position of peace in Ukraine. And we're going to arm the Ukrainians to make sure they can get to a negotiated peace. The other thing I would say, too, is this isn't his only gaffe. President Biden also made the gaffe about sending the 82nd Airborne into yep. Ukraine, which we're not doing. Ooh. And he also said that the United States would respond in kind if there was a chemical weapons attack on the part of Russia. So this really was um, it was not a good, I think, trip for the president because the three big gaffes really are at cross purposes with the overall message from this administration. Again, that was from CNN Sunday show, State of the Union, and not. Shocking. On, on Fox News. Yeah, but, with CNN shitting on you, then you done fucked up, A.A. Ron. Oh, yeah. But everybody oh, else at the table looked like... Oh, they were just like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, it was a combination of mean <laughs> mugs and... You know who pays us, right? right? Yeah. Well, I mean, their new owner, the Discovery uh, Channel family of channels guy who's coming in there and taking over CNN, so they are going to, at some point, eventually get back to real news. Well, isn't he more conservative and he supported Trump? Or do I have the wrong person? No, I, I, I'm not sure if he supported Trump, but I definitely know he, he's a little bit more on the conservative side. Well, I mean, or like aligns with like, you know, more Trump era policies. Yeah, you just got to look at the numbers, man. God, can you imagine like these freaking toolboxes, the these CNN anchors that are just full blown, just like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hey, guess what? Guess who bought us? Donald Trump should have bought CNN. That would have been amazing. I was thinking when he uh, did the TMTG. Yeah. I was like, please, to God, please buy CNN. Well, Elon Musk is saying he, he wants to develop a social media comparable to Twitter, or a lot of people have been urging him to just, you know, go and buy it because uh, oh, yeah. he, he's ran into some censorship there lately and uh, not very happy about it. So, I mean, if you're censoring Elon Musk now, you know, it's just nuts. Yeah, but he does always post that meme of like the uh, yeah. the soldier wiping the blood down his own cheeks. <laughs> so and he's been it, pretty based. You got to give him that. Well, I mean, this administration is completely shit on him and his business. So it's yeah, one, it's one sure. of those things, uh, you know, where he's going to have to go out and take care of himself. And if it's with memes, which he knows can control the news cycle at times, then uh, he's well, going to go out there and do it. With ironic his that they're shitting on his business when his business is what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what didn't they subsidize him? Like how many billions of dollars at some point? Oh, you guys saw. Well, you know, we're going to get into it in our last portion of the show later on. But you know, parts of the Biden budget. I think I can't remember how much they, how many billions of dollars in taxes Elon Musk would owe if if everything that's proposed in this budget, including some of the tax hike for the quote unquote rich, go through. But it was some astronomical number that I'll have to look up before we get to that segment later. Tulsi Gabbard, who's Continues to make the rounds, grifting on a conservative news network, sat down with Tucker to talk about some of this uh, speech Monday night. Let's hear what she had to say when she sat down with uh, our favorite paid op. So, uh, you know, it's not even a personal attack on Biden, and I certainly don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone in his present condition, but the United States, the future of the country hangs in the balance. And I don't understand how the Democratic Party can continue to support someone who's completely out of control. 
I think what we're seeing here, Tucker, is you're focusing on his comments about regime changes. It was not a gaffe at all. President Biden just right. said out loud what the aims and objectives of his administration's policies are, yep. which is regime change in Russia, to get Putin out of power. And, you know, they're, they're doing so through uh, using the primary weapons of economic warfare. They're doing so by waging this modern-day siege against Russia, uh, you know, isolating, containing, uh, destroying their economy, starving the Russian people in the hopes that the Russian people or the military will rise up and revolt and overthrow their government uh, and, and get rid of Putin. And the reason why they're lying about this to the American people, Tucker, is they know that we are sick and tired of our country re waging regime change wars. We remember how costly and devastating these wars in Iraq and Libya and Syria and others have been, and we reject them wholeheartedly. So if they were to come out and tell the truth, their polls would tank even more than they already are, and their politics uh, would suffer. And, and that's so, really may, where, may where you, we have to... I, I believe yeah, you completely that clearly they, they want that. But what comes after? Killing people is relatively easy. Building things is really hard. So yes. this is a real country with 140 million people living in it, huge energy reserves. Putin goes, then what? Have they thought that through? How about huge nuclear reserves? I mean, the answer to that is clearly no. And, and this, isn't, this isn't just my opinion. We have history to look for to the answer to this question. In every one of these regime change wars, uh, we've seen how the answer to the question, what happens next? Who takes charge after you topple that dictator? Uh, what weapons will they have under their control? They never have an answer to that question. And what we're seeing play out before us uh, is following that exact same track record, only dang more dangerously so, because the American people are smart enough to know that a regime change war against a nuclear-armed Russia is very different from any other that's been waged before and will result in, in disastrous consequences that, that go beyond anything we could even imagine. Yeah. I, thank you. For, I mean, these are people who couldn't keep track of the own, their own dangerous biological agents they were funding in Ukraine. They have no idea where they are, obviously. They're going to keep track of 6,000 nuclear weapons. I don't think so. so Mm, excellent point there. Yeah. Antoinette, what yeah. do you think? She's running as a moderate Democrat in the next presidential election for sure, you think? Uh, I, yeah, I mean... She's going to give it one more go? I think so. I think she's talking it out there because she probably plans on doing something for sure. I mean, I agree and I like her sometimes. I just don't, I don't trust her. She, you know, she's one of the young global leaders. Or she could be a double, triple agent and be on our side. <laughs> Who knows? Time will tell. But, um, yeah, I mean, I obviously think she wants to stay in politics for a while, so we'll see. Sure. You know, we've seen just so many developments over the weekend uh, happening. Listen, obviously after this thing that happened on uh, Saturday, they, they had to get something going on. Thank God it wasn't a false flag event where a whole bunch of people died. The only person that died was probably Will Smith's <laughs> career a little bit. Wah, wah. Yeah, but the memes were spicy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's distractions like that bullshit going on at the Oscars uh, that kept everybody away from, you know, commentary that fell out from this Joe Biden speech that he gave in Brussels. Uh, the pre-rollout, which we'll get into later, of the $5.8 trillion proposed budget for fiscal year 2023. Dear fucking Lord. God. Yeah, I know. I hope that that bad. But looks like we'll be living on continuing rev resolutions forever now. 
Um, you know, and then Hunter Biden laptop stuff as heated up. It's developing kind of more today because everybody's back to work. But there yeah. were there were a lot of things going on over the weekend that uh, you know, we're getting pretty spicy that we'll probably be able to cover a little bit more in depth on a Friday edition of the show. But you know, just for the, for who's listening today on Tuesday and then moving forward through the week, Matt Gates has received an actual clone of the hard drive and brought it to a Senate committee hearing today and introduced oh. it into a congressional record. Ooh, Sla- wow. Slapped it on the table, said what it was, and said he was entering it into a congressional record. How are all these people getting this copy of the laptop? Ask Steve Bannon. <laughs> I mean, well, Garrett I'll, I'll Siegler, take one. I want to look yeah, up. Garrett, Garrett Siegler and then... Uh, working on it like hardcore. He's been going well, through that thing, organizing it. Who's the other guy? Maxie? Jack Maxey, he's one that's uh, been, yeah, he's, so. he's been on War Room, and I know uh, James from We the People, me and him were talking about it, and he said that guy's getting ready to dump everything on it as well. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani had a copy of it. Bannon had a copy of it. Who knows who else has copies of we're it? We're just being really careful, too, because a lot of the stuff that's on there, obviously, there are, you know. Well, yeah, it's sensitive. You know, you know, that's reportedly yeah, on there. Sensitive and or illegal. Yes. Illegal, and but um, they can get hit for, like, revenge porn. Because yeah. You know, yeah. all those crazy things. That's why it's better. I mean, listen, the FBI's had it since when? Late 2019, and they still haven't done anything with it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, like Antoinette said, you, you don't want anything to come back boomerangingly on you with the revenge porn and then obviously some of the more illicit materials that may be illegal. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's better just to get it back to the authorities and, like I said, make it public and congressional record. So well, yeah, now we have to start looking at it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, I mean, dropping it in the congressional record is just like discovery. Yeah, yeah, the start yeah, of discovery. Start. So, I don't know if uh, if uh, Ted Cruz is going to be bringing out the big old poster boards of contents of the Hunter Biden laptop when we have the senatorial hearings on it. Well, what if he just brings out poster boards of blurred images? <laughs> I was just going to say, or like ah. with like big black, you know, like the um, yeah black lines like when they redact document are they gonna write redacted on his penis i hope so me too <laughs> or just uh, re- redact redicted re- just like a couple letters there you go. well well we're gonna keep an eye on that and then uh you know like i said we've got more stuff to break down in regards to joe biden what the, he's got going on uh later in the show but um Right now, we're getting ready to sit down with our first guest, and we're going to have a good conversation about all things national security related. So as we're getting ready for him to join us right now, we'll let his audio key up and him come in. All right, joining us first today, he's a director and senior analyst for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism at the Center for Security Policies, who also contributes at the Claremont Institute, the Federalist, and American Greatness. Kyle Scheidler, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's ours. Equally as well, sir. What's going on with you? Well, uh... Fortunately, the Biden administration is keeping all of us, those of us who care about uh, national security and homeland security, uh, pretty, pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's to say the least. What are some of the things you've seen uh, since the start of this administration that have raised some uh, red flags and concerns for you as a uh, national security and counterterrorism expert? I mean, I have to be blunt with you. I mean, I think the biggest threat to homeland security and really American security at this point is the Biden administration. If you look what they have done in their strategy on domestic terrorism, they have labeled regular everyday Americans who are concerned about mainstream issues that matter to all of us, uh, things like 
who's on their school board, what things are being taught to their children, uh, are our elections free and fair, uh, what does the government have a right to make me wear on my face, or do they have the right to make me get a shot? Uh, all of these things, which are normal mainstream issues that people care about, the Biden administration is treating as domestic terrorism. They uh, put out a national security strategy that explicitly described these types of issues as issues that motivate terrorism. And at the same time, they're taking their eye off the ball, real genuine threat. They're letting actual terrorists through the southern border, uh, including a fellow of, of Venezuelan Lebanese extraction, who the FBI said uh, had terrorism ties. And the Biden administration left this fellow out of detention to travel to wherever it is he was going uh, after he crossed the southern border because they were afraid if they left him in detention, he would get COVID because he was overweight. Hmm. Uh, these, so these are the kinds of things the Biden administration is doing on Homeland Security and counterterrorism. They are focused on regular everyday Americans and they're taking their ball uh, their eye off the ball when it comes to real genuine threats. Yeah, that's an excellent point you make there. I wanted to point out the fact and see if I can get you to just develop it a little bit more. For the average listener, someone who casually follows politics, they see the southern border on TV, you know, almost every day politicians griping about it or saying it's not a huge deal, depending on what side of the aisle you're hearing it from. You'll see file footage of things from Del Rio, either, you know, um, big long lines of people or, or people jumping across the river. When it comes to specific national security interests, how much of a threat are some of the people who are coming by? We've heard, you know, well over 100 countries now have made it into the United States since the start of the Biden administration. Uh, you know, does does that pose to the United States when, when we're talking about people who just aren't economic migrants who are possibly seeking a better life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you The larger the flow, the harder it is to understand who is inside that flow. The reality is we get uh, what used to be called OTM now, or I think special interest aliens is how the government describes them, individuals from places other than Central America all the time. We get them from Yemen. We get them from Iran. We get them from Saudi Arabia. We get them from you know the caucus states, and we get them from Russia. We're getting them from Ukraine now. We get them from China. Uh, we get people from all over the world. Uh, every day, every single day. And the reality is we have no way to determine who most of these people are. And furthermore, it's important to realize that every single person who crosses the border crosses because some cartel in Mexico wants them to cross the right. border, meaning they have been paid. Uh, nobody crosses the border without getting without paying. Uh, so we are providing millions and millions of dollars every day uh, a sheriff on the border told me they believe the cartel across from them made about $25 million a day uh, from people coming across. And so we have no control over who that is. And the people who do control who that is uh, are dangerous people indeed. Yeah, it sounds pretty. Uh... Yeah, so they land at the airport from wherever they're coming from or whatever train or bus they get off of and they get immediately shaken down for X amount of money. And you don't get to cross unless you pay, right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, they, they will pay at every step of the journey. So yeah. They will pay as they cross the Darien Gap from Panama. Uh, they will pay as they come up through Guatemala or wherever. They will pay as they move through Mexico. And we now see the, the Mexican government is actually participating in strategic releases of migrants through what uh, a friend of mine, Todd Benzman, calls an ant operation, mm -hmm. meaning they set all these little flows of migrants across the border 
that that overwhelm the border. They overwhelm the border agents and keep us from from having any kind of control over who's coming across. Control of your borders is a fundamental national security uh-huh. question. If you do not control your borders, as President Trump used to say, you do not have a country. Uh, and that is really where we are at this point. You're looking at uh, flows of people that are larger than the entire United States Marine Corps that come across in a period of one month, uh, looking at two million people a year, uh, people who are being transported by the Biden administration uh, to anywhere in the country they want to go. We've completely lost control. Yeah, we uh, the, the, the attorney general of Arizona is correct when he says uh, that this is an invasion. And the states on the border absolutely have a right and a responsibility to their citizens to do something about it if the, if the federal government's not going to. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense when you mention it, you know, that way. And then uh, we've seen on the news recently with the uh, probable end of Title 42 coming up here, the amount of people who are going to be crossing the border with the warmer months coming looks like it's going to be in higher numbers than possibly ever before. Yeah, I mean, those uh, those percentages of gotaways that we have, you know, typically the the single military aged males uh, often in camouflage traveling in, in small units with backpacks. Those are the guys who run from the Border Patrol, right? right? Because they're the guys who are actually going to get sent back if they get caught. And now the Biden administration is saying, well, we're not even going to send those guys back if they get caught. So it's going to be completely open season. Yeah, it's just, just scary when you just think about the you know, sheer numbers of it all and, and how that factors into, uh, you know, everything that's going on. They take su- such a lax on actual security when it comes to, you know, the State Department and the DOJ. Well, in the general public, like, they may think that it doesn't affect them, but, I mean... Coming you, to a neighborhood near you soon. Well, regardless of where they go, you're paying for their travel, you're paying for their housing, you're paying for everything that involves in processing. It's you your mean, tax dollars at work. I mean, federal aid's not free? Mm. <laughs> Very funny. Kyle, I want to kind of switch gears real quick. I saw this morning you were you were pretty uh, active on Twitter, and you were you were referencing something in regards to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now, and more specifically Russia's ability to conduct cyber warfare. You know, when when you talk about all the stuff that's going on over there, regardless of how you want to armchair quarterback it, you know, Russia was ill prepared, or they you know aren't doing as well as people speculated this, that, and the other thing. There is one thing that they are well known for, and that is conducting cyber warfare. You want to talk about some of the importance of that and how we can't for a moment take our eyes off the, you know, importance of how uh, that can affect the people here in the United States? Yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely concerned that uh, if and as the Russians continue to struggle conventionally, the question is, will they move to a non-conventional posture? Uh, They've already hinted at this um, a little bit. It is sort of Russian doctrine that if they get into trouble, they will try to, quote unquote, uh, escalate to de-escalate. That means you you escalate in a non-conventional way that your opponent cannot retaliate with. Uh, traditionally, this is tactical nuclear weapons for the Russians, but you could see them doing it on a cyber warfare front as well uh, to try to get essentially the West to back off and give them enough space that they can achieve some kind of an objective and claim victory and spike the football. Uh, so that that is worrisome to me. We know for a fact that the Russians have had malware inside the U.S. electrical grid uh, for years now. And despite that, there is no standard that requires the grid op- owners and operators, prim- most of whom are, are pub- uh, private sector business, right, 
Uh, there's no standard from the government saying what their cybersecurity standards should be, that they have to do certain things, even that they have to get rid of this kind of Russian malware when it's, when it's detected. I am deeply concerned that the Russians could, if they chose to, make our lives very, very difficult. Yeah. I mean, we saw what a couple of uh, ransomware gangs were able to do with the Colonial Pipeline, what they were able to do with the attack on the meatpacking processor, JBS. Uh, if they made it a if they made a national level interest in attacking uh, those kinds of critical infrastructures, they could put a real hurt on us. And I think people need to pay attention to that. They need to realize this is going to this could hit them where they live. Um, local local uh, county governments, uh, city governments are responsible thing for things like water sewer treatment plants. Those things are viable targets uh, from from a Russian perspective or some other, you know, other actor. Uh, what is your local county government doing to protect those assets? Chances are not very much. Uh, and they're not getting very much help from the federal government to do it, I should say. And it is really a federal responsibility. But when the federal government isn't fulfilling their responsibilities, you know, these other aspects of the government need to step up, whether that's at a state or a local level. So if we had a cyber attack that went after, let's say, our electrical grid, like what, what is a percentage of the electrical grid that could be potentially taken down by something like that? Do you, do you, do you have any idea? Uh, I mean, uh, most of it, all of it. Um, and, and then follow up that, to that question, how long would it take us to get it back up again? I, I think I may have an idea of this answer. Uh, it, it, pro it could be potentially months to years, depending on how much physical damage is done. Yes. Uh, wh whether, you know, large form, uh, large scale transformers are blown, those kinds of things. Um, so you could, you could potentially be without power for, you know, the better part of a year, um, or more. And, and we'd, we'd probably descend into chaos within weeks. Days. <laughs> it's a serious issue. I'm, yeah. I'm working on a, a piece now. Uh, arguing that the U.S. needs to return to a standard of civil defense, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, recognizing that in a future conflict, it's the home front that's going to have to bear the brunt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look at like an actor like Russia, like China, they explicitly say they are going to try to target our civilian population through co coercive means like cyber warfare, but there are other methods as well, um, in order to you know, undermine our ability to fight. Well, that means that, you know, you and I in our homes are potentially on the front lines of that, you know, situation. So what is what are our communities prepared to do in that situation? Do they have a plan for if they lose power? Do they have backup power at the wastewater treatment plant? Uh, how is your local police department going to provide, uh, you know, order if the National Guard isn't coming because the National Guard has been called up at the federal level. These are all questions communities need, need to be able to think about. Yeah, I definitely think it's one that, uh, at least at the very top of, of who's running the nation right now, if you want to even call it that, that's probably something they're not laser-focused on. The same. Yeah, list. I think the people that are kind of running, well, let's say, for instance, California, where we're at, do you think uh, Newsom's got that on his mind, or is he more thinking about gender I mean, they can't, they can't keep the lights on over there. Uh, even when they're not being attacked by yeah. <laughs> nation yeah. state actors. Yeah. Don't charge your electric cars between the hour of six and eight. <laughs> yeah, they're telling us not, yeah, exactly, not to charge our electric cars right after they told us to buy electric cars. And then you get the fact checker saying, that's not true. They didn't say you couldn't charge your electric cars at all. It's like, no, but you said don't charge them during specific times, which 
if you're charging an electric car, you probably need to charge it for a while. Just make sure it's charged. Mm. Like don't charge it right after I get home from my long commute. I think that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go, wake up, wake up at three o'clock in the morning, plug in your car. But at the same time, still have your kids wear a mask at school. Yes. That makes total sense. Have your science. car wear a mask while it's charging. Even better. Kyle, last thing and I want to touch with you on, I think that's a, a, some, a big question to our listening audience because they played one of the best disappearing acts overtly that we've seen after the uh, presidential election back in, in 2020. Where did Antifa go? Well, they are uh, alive and well, I'll tell you. Uh, and in fact, they're getting very, um, they're getting set to go on the offensive here when it comes to some of these issues we're seeing at the school boards. We saw uh, the Youth Liberation Front, which is a major Antifa group, uh, get into a back and forth with Governor Ron DeSantis yes. over his, his recent passage of a parental rights and education bill. Uh, and we saw, um, we saw activity at University of North Texas uh, when a local conservative group brought in a, a Republican candidate for state house uh, who had been very um, vocal regarding uh, the gender transition of children, which the uh, Texas uh, state government has taken up um, the, that issue. And I think it's important to realize what is the purpose of Antifa? The purpose of Antifa is to shut down the political organizing of their opponents, right? At the end of the day, the reason they label people fascist and they hit them in the face with bike locks is because they do not want their political opponents to be able to organize uh, in order to win in a regular electoral system, right? Uh, so where you see, you know, mainstream political conservatives, Republicans picking up issues that motivate the grassroots, that, that are getting parents involved, they're getting people involved, they're taking to the streets, they're actually engaging in the process of real politics, right? Yep. Uh, that's where you're going to see Antifa come out and, and try to scare people, try to intimidate people, try to use violence to suppress uh, the rights of people to engage in political process. And they will do this, by the way, not just against Republicans and conservatives. They will do this even against m sort of mainstream, normal liberals or sort of the regular old school Democrats, uh, you know, especially in places like Portland and Seattle, where yeah. you, you hard, hardly have a you don't exactly have a strong conservative movement, uh, even even a mainstream liberal um, political process will find itself under attack by, by these guys. And we, that's what they live to do. And we always use the Antifa as just an umbrella term for every, I mean, whether or not they necessarily identify as Antifa, it's basically just an umbrella term for real domestic terrorists. No, it's, it's, well, yeah, but it's, it's basically just these groups of people. It's an entire sect, an entire belief of people that, that have this ideology that if you don't agree with everything that they agree with, then you're obviously a racist and xenophobic and you name it. Just add any of the hashtags to that one. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. What do you see uh, as far as, you know, heading into the midterm election season? Uh, we, we have seen, you know, and we cover extensively on the show, the rise of the America First candidates. Um, in addition to some of the pushback they're getting from, like, let's just say the establishment GOP and other outside entities that want to kind of kill that whole supporter of Trump era policies candidate and what they look like. Do you see Antifa actively getting involved in some of these races as we move forward and getting closer to the ballot box? Oh, sure. A hundred percent. They will absolutely. And they, because in part, you know, they feed off the media coverage. Uh, 
Yeah. So to the extent that the, the mainstream media, the corporate media goes along with this labeling of anybody that, you know, isn't, you know, anybody to the left of, you know, AOC or excuse me, to the right of AOC is a fascist uh, that provides cover for Antifa types to to do what they do. You know, and they do genuinely believe that anyone to their right and they're all anarchists and communists, mm-hmm. uh, anyone to their right does not have the uh, does not have a right to engage in in the political process. And absolutely, you're going to see them start targeting uh, America first candidates, particularly populist candidates mm-hmm. and anybody who is popular with the American working class. That's a major part of sort of the Marxist ideology. Anytime that Marxists are finding that they're not getting a positive response from the working class, they label that fascism. Yeah. So one of the major mainstream problems, one of the major problems they had with Trump was that he did appeal to working class people, even working class Democrats, uh, even working class Americans across racial lines. Uh, whether Hispanic or, or black or what have you, Trump was doing very well with working class people. And that is one of the reasons why uh, it became so popular to label him as a fascist, because he was appealing to working class people. He was talking about the needs of regular people, and it was mobilizing them to, to engage in politics in a way that hadn't been done in a long time. And they saw that as a threat, I think. No, I completely agree with you there. Kyle, there was one other thing I want to touch with you on, and it ties right into what we're talking about now, the midterm elections. Now, the numbers are favorable, although it's going to take a lot of work to make sure that we secure the House and the Senate moving forward. Uh, I do think we're going to get some big numbers in the U.S. House of Representatives in regards to taking power back there. And in the, the Senate, I see us right now getting all the way up to probably 53 Senate seats, hopefully more, but but 53 looks pretty good uh, just based off some of the numbers that we're looking at and cover regularly on the show here. Now, our uh, – you know, the House and the Senate have the ability to really put the brakes on a lot of the stuff that the Biden administration is is been cranking out for the last 15 months, namely make it to where they can have the Oval Office only be able to do anything via executive order and nothing else. Likewise, what are some of the things you'd like to see them do in regard specifically to national security to kind of tighten things down once we uh, hopefully take back the House and Senate after the midterm elections? Yeah, you know, uh, Congressman Chip Roy has Mm -hmm. talked about this a lot. One of the things that he said is we have to stop funding this. Yes. Uh, That's really the primary power that Congress has. Uh, As soon as, if it is the case uh, that Congress changes hands, the the Biden administration is going to say, as the Obama administration did, you know, I have a pen and a phone. I can just do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And because of the way that the administrative state works, the way the bureaucracy works, He's going to be able to they're going to be able to get a lot of the things that they want uh, simply because the bureaucracy will go along with it um, and sort of ignore Congress. And the main thing that Congress can do is say, no, we're not going to pay for this. And to do that, they have to get back into regular order. We have to stop this business with continuous resolutions where all of these bureaucracies are getting paid uh, no matter what. they're no longer afraid that Congress is going to take a deep look at their budget and start cutting things. I mean, if you watch some of the hearings, like, for example, some of these uh, hearings with the FBI testifying right. before Congress, and you look at the level of contempt that they display to elected officials, senators and congressmen, that was not possible 30, 40 years ago. Uh, the bureaucrats were very cautious to court, court Congress 
treat them nicely, make sure that they were on their side because they knew Congress had power over the budget. Sure. Now that Congress has gone to these continuous resolutions, everybody's getting paid. The bureaucracy is no longer afraid of any oversight. They're no longer afraid of their budget being touched. Uh, and Congress is, is out to lunch. So if, if Republicans want to make any of these changes uh, at all, they're going to have to do it through the budget process. I think Chip Roy is right about that. Um, and then other than that, it's going to be calling people to account. It's going to be, you know, let's get some actual hearings about some of these things that are going on. Let's, let's have them have to actually answer questions at the DOJ and FBI about their use of counterterrorism resource to surveil protesters at school board meetings, these kinds of things. Uh, you know, some of these, these moves by the Biden administration and the bureaucracy. And so far, you know, when you're in the minority in Congress, you just get laughed at when you request documents. Yep. Uh, you just get ignored. And so I'd like to see a lot more of that take place. Yeah, us as well. I mean, a lot of people forget about, uh, you know, with some of the stuff that this administration has done and the way some of these cabinet members have testified up on, on Capitol Hill, just in the last 15 months, we've seen pre- like Richard Nixon resigned over stuff like what's what's happened with, uh, you know, surrounding the uh, 2020 presidential election and beyond with the, the Biden administration uh, back 30, 40 years ago. And then, you know, when you talk about also all this other stuff, it just, you know, we're, we're really going to have to c- cramp it down. Uh, we, we've seen, I saw Joe Biden propose that budget today that was like in excess of $5 trillion for fiscal year 2023. And it's just, my God, man, we are just so off the rails here of what we really need to do to, you know, not only run our country, but it starts at the fundamental basis of uh, just ensuring basic securities for all the citizens that live here. We're, we're really far off base right now, and it doesn't look like we're uh, going to be getting back there anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, on the national security front, you've got an uh, intelligence community that's asking for $100 million. Uh, I'm not comfortable giving this intelligence community $100 million. No, no. You know, I'm we're, we're a pro-national security organization. Uh, we, you know, we were uh, formed under, you know, President Reagan. We're we're all for opposing our our uh, foreign adversaries and, and making their lives difficult and doing what we have to do. But this intelligence community that has performed in the way that they have against domestic political opponents like uh, President Trump, unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about a Department of Defense that's looking at cutting ships, uh, cutting ships in the Navy at the very time that they're talking about pivoting to deal with the Chinese threat. Yeah. How does that make any sense? Makes total sense, right? Makes perfect <laughs> sense. There, there was a great, uh, a great op-ed by um, Jim Webb, uh, you know, Democrat, former Marine, talking about some of the cuts that are, uh, well, not even cuts, changes that are being put, proposed to the U.S. Marine Corps, and they're just aghast at some of the things that are that are taking place. Uh, and it all, all of it stems from this this Biden administration approach that says we're going to use integrated defense. Uh, we're going to sanction everybody. Yeah. If you don't like do what we like, we're going to sanction you, and and then and then you'll do what we want. Uh, and that's going to be our primary deterrent. And we're already seeing from this Russia situation that that doesn't work at all. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, you know our listening audience is is tuned into. And uh, when you talk about things like you know Reagan era national defense policies and all the way up through peace through strength with the Trump administration, we are in such a short amount of time more than a th- stone's throw away from that. Yeah. 
Well, Kyle, this has been great sitting down with you today for the first time. Obviously, after this conversation, we're going to, of course, ask that at some point in the near future you'd come back and, and, and talk with us. We'd get some new list of topics up, and we'd love to hear your input on it. But uh, most importantly, we want to get our listenership directed to wherever they can find, see, read you, and follow you on social media. So if you want to give that out to our listenership. Sure. Uh, you can check out everything that I write and, and everything that the center does at securefreedom.org. Uh, just secure freedom, one word, O-R-G. And I am uh, primarily active on Twitter uh, at uh, my last name, Scheidler, S-H-I-D-E-L-E-R-K, uh, at Scheidler K. And that's uh, that's me, and, and most of my stuff goes up there as well. Yeah, we're going to live link them in the show description today. We're going to put up a standalone portion of this interview a little bit later in the week. And uh, like I said, we're, of course, going to be inviting you back on Steak for Breakfast. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. This is the Director and Senior Analyst for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism at the Center for Secure Policy. Kyle Scheidler, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, that was good uh, catching up with Kyle for the first time. He was a very solid, uh, Yeah, talked about a lot of stuff and yeah. got in in a good amount of time. And we're definitely going to be having him back at some point in the near future. For we're sure. Making, we're making some good friends here. You know who's uh, really good at making friends? 45th president of the United States who was rocking. Okay. I don't know what it is, but windstorms nationwide are following him to all of his rallies. So we saw the teleprompters. Yeah. We we saw teleprompters blow over in Arizona and he was on the other side of the country this weekend in in commerce, Georgia. And the wind there was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, he was wearing that really long overcoat and it was like flopping around. Yeah. And then, well, his hair was flopping around. He had to put a hat on in the middle and, you know, he said he was going to be fine. And uh, just the amount of, I don't know how he does it, at his age, and uh, diet, which consists of a lot of KFC and McDonald's and Diet Cokes, very little water. So he was up early. Breakfast at Champions. Flew from Jersey to Georgia, got in a quick 18-rounder, which he hit a hole-in-one. Confirmed. Confirmed. (laughs) And then... Took the stage at 8 p.m. same day and spoke for 90 minutes. Didn't seem tired. Didn't seem cranky. Was full of fire and energy. And we're going to break it down all for you right now. Nice. Yeah. Let's jump right into the audio. Because when you are uh, doing a Trump rally segment, they're usually what makes the world go round. The choice is clear. If you don't want a socialist, extremist, and racist lunatic like Stacey Abrams raising your taxes, indoctrinating your children, defunding your police, setting loose criminals all over the place, they're setting them loose, and they're pouring into our country. We had the strongest border in history, and now we have the weakest border in history in just one and a half years. The good news is now I talk about two and a half years instead of four years. It's amazing. Time is flying by. Sure is. But look at the havoc and look at the destruction that they've done to our country in such a short period of time. But David Perdue, vote for him, please. Republican (laughs) primary on May 24th. Remember also, early voting begins on May 2nd. So however you vote, but make sure your vote is counted. Check it. You can check it. You know, he busted right into a little bit of the Dominio's commercial there. You might have to pull that one up to the end of the show today because he's like, borders wide open, vote David Perdue. Check it. Check it. Check it. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of people there. There there are 
numbers coming out that saying that might have been the biggest political rally in the history of the state. Not going to, oh, wow. yeah, not going to really, you know, debate those numbers are probably true. Um, didn't take too long for him to start getting into tearing up Joe Biden. And uh, he did it in Trump-like fashion. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done in just 15 Damn. months. In just over a year, he has managed to kill, literally kill the American dream. But do not lose hope because with the right leadership, America will be back greater, stronger, and more powerful than ever before. before. <laughs> Pretty excellent. Well, that's comforting because, well, we know he keeps his his promises, promises made, promises kept. Yeah, I think it was good that he also, you know, that the wind was giving his comb forward to run for his money. Stop. <laughs> At he, least we know it's real. Yeah, I do like that he talked about the time. You know, we are at pretty much a year and a half in already, and uh, things are heating up. I mean, we're, we're seven months now. You know, we're right at the end of March before people are going to the ballot box for the midterm elections, and then you know what comes shortly after that. That's general yeah. election announcements. So we don't have much longer to wait until then. We have a lot of work to do. I thought you were going to say Summer of Love Part 2. Hmm. Well, well, yeah, we don't. I mean, the inflation <clears throat> is out of control. Gas is still going up in I mean, if something's not done sooner. Or, well, at least you know, if, there, if there is a Summer of Love Part 2, people won't be commuting to riot. <laughs> yeah, according to Kyle, they're setting up home offices in a lot of the major cities where you're going to have America First candidates. <laughs> <laughs> he got th- Those are nice because cause mom serves lunch usually. Yeah, well, that's true. Hot pockets for everybody? Hot pockets for everybody. Perfect. He jumped right into the uh, Russia and Ukraine debacle right now and what's going on over there with their conflict and and tied that one to Joe Biden didn't take too long to get there. Joe Biden's been one train wreck after another. <laughs> Just take a look at what he's doing out at NATO. Ay, 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 these people. <laughs> these people don't believe our representative. He disgraced our nation with his humiliating surrender in Afghanistan and inflation is now, as you know, just reported highest in over 40 years. Gas prices are the highest in history. Think of that. And we had them below $2 a gallon. Think of that. And now it's going up to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How high can you count? Our borders are completely demolished. Bloodthirsty criminals are laying waste to our Democrat-run cities. There were more COVID deaths in 2021 than there were in 2020 with all the work we did, too. Who would have believed that? And just when you thought it couldn't get worse, <laughs> Joe Biden totally failed to deter Russia's disgraceful invasion of Ukraine. All those people are dead. Putin's heinous attack on a proud and sovereign nation shocks the conscience of every person of goodwill, shocks the conscience of the people of Georgia, I can tell you where we spent a fortune on your vets. And- oh, it didn't really, uh, it's kind of surprising. Mm. You don't think that guy uh, had uh, Putin under his thumb? Mm. I think I think it's optics, to be fair. And he's just, you know, everything that, they're just trying to make Biden look bad. 
You know, he's taking the advantage to say what he did. Because I don't agree with what Trump said right there about Putin. About his, dis- what did he call it? Heinous and disgusting invasion of a sovereign country? Yeah. Disgraceful. Mm. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, I'm not speaking for Trump, but I'm pretty sure in real life he doesn't agree with that. Just my opinion. Well, we I mean, all know there's a lot more to the story, clearly. We've been talking about it. Yeah, and they did have a unique relationship, to say the least. Yes. So he would continue down the same road and uh, bring up one of our favorite fuck Chuck Todd's. Nice. <laughs> Chuck Todd. In addition to that, it was at that point of the rally that the wind got a little too much to handle. Noah looks interested, and I'm going to let him uh, hear how this bad boy went down. The invasion of Ukraine should never have happened. And as everyone is saying, if I was in the White House and they've had actually, I remember Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd. Did you ever hear of him? He's a sleepy son of a bitch and he's on. (laughs) He's on a show called Meet the Fake Press. You have that, you have defaced the nation, you have all these. Uh, <laughs> but he said, how come, he was talking to Blinken, and he said, so how come this never happened on Trump's watch? Why didn't it happen? He said they knew better. They did know better. They know better. By the way, do you mind if I put on a hat? It's windy as hell up here. Thank you. Hey. They said, you know, they said to me, sir, it's windy as hell. You better put on a hat. You get blown to pieces. I said, I can handle it. (laughs) And then the wind just doubled. I said, I've had it. I'm putting on it. But it would have never happened in Ukraine. It would have never happened 100% certain. And remember, I was the one, you know, when you look at what happened to those tanks, man, were they devastated. But I was the one that sent the javelins, not Obama. Obama sent blankets, you remember? They said he only sends blankets and pillows. In fact, I stand as the only president of the 21st century on whose watch Russia and Putin did not invade any other country. He never invaded. And also during my four years, China never invaded (laughs) Taiwan. Remember they said, uh, oh, China's going to invade Taiwan. That never happened. I said, President Xi, you're not going to do that. But that'll be next because he sees what happened and he sees the weak leadership that we have. And that very well might be, although, you know, if you really think about it, he may be looking at this disaster going on with Russia. He may say, maybe we have other ways to spend our time. So you never know. Hmm. Good point there. Yeah. So. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if that if China did invade Taiwan and finds what Putin did in Ukraine with the biolabs. That would be spicy. Just a thought. Yeah. I do think, uh, you know, I saw one of the uh, spokespeople for the CCP came out on Monday and directly rebutted that statement from Donald Trump saying that Russia and Ukraine is not what's going on between China and Taiwan. 
and in the foreseeable future, we don't see any kind of conflict or mm, minor incursion happening. Yeah, so they won't pick up the phone when Joe Biden calls, but they'll put out press statements. <laughs> yeah, to Trump. So not just the tip. Yeah, going against with, uh, thank you, Step Row. <laughs> what Joe Biden, uh, or what Donald Trump said at his rally this weekend. And that's so. funny. It's very yeah. telling, too. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, I do like deface the nation. And no, freaking. I know. He, he's just, he's too funny. Like, but he's quick witted, too. And it's not yeah. like, it's not like he's not cheesy. Trying to, he's trying to read jokes off the teleprompter or just like making jokes that don't make any sense. Like, Joe Biden tries to whip one out and he ends up like gaffing a thousand percent or literally whipping it out. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Stop. Uh, <laughs> Two, don't want those thoughts. <laughs> Come on, man. Corn, corn pop is bad, dude. Sure was. Uh, but no, but he he's sharp. He's quick-witted. He can go off the cuff and talk for, what, three freaking hours? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he goes through the, through the motions and he says the stuff that is on his teleprompter, but he can break off and oh, yeah. be coherent at least. This teleprompter person is amazing where they've been able to stop and start where he goes. Well, you never guess also that like he is what his age is, you know, yes and no. I mean, I know people in their 20s and 30s that aren't as quick and sharp and exactly sharp is the word as he is. It's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, he suffered a lot. Uh, oh yeah imagine like anybody any normal human being would just be completely burnt out look at look at obama when he went in and what he looked like yeah looks and like he didn't go through half he didn't go through half the shit not even a quarter fraction of what trump did well so. well my, now my hair's gray <laughs> feel like shit don't really like golfing wife's a dude <laughs> wife's a dude big old lats <laughs> bigger back than an nfl linebacker <laughs> You ever yes. seen her on her kayak? Hey, exactly. <laughs> Donald Trump talked about that suffrage. Let's hear him get into it. Hold China accountable for unleashing the virus and charge them trillions. And we can do it. All we have to do is say, we're not trading with you anymore. You got to pay us a lot. But you could never pay what they really. It's over $50 trillion that they've done damage to the world. But we're going to be asking them for a lot of money. I charged... China, hundreds of millions of dollars in trade. You know, I put tariffs on them. And listen to this one. Billions and billions of dollars China's paying the United States because of me and the tariffs and taxes I put on. But listen to this. (laughs) Biden just announced that he's going to take many of those tariffs off of China because he's worried about inflation. The hell is that to have to do with inflation? What's going on? So they're going to take the they're going to take the taxes, tariffs off of China because they're worried about inflation. Should have worried about inflation when it came to drilling oil. Boom. Got we'll em. stop Biden crime wave in Democrat-run cities. We will give our police officers our 100 percent. Right back support, to the teleprompter. Yeah. And we will restore law and order in America. We will pass critical reforms, making every executive branch employee fireable by the president. The deep state must 
and will, and it was largely by me, and it wasn't easy. It has to be brought to heel. Now, no president has ever suffered like I've suffered at the hands of these animals. Mm. <laughs> People say to me, how the hell did you do it? And I can't even give them an answer. I don't know. I think I did it because I love you and because we have a job to do. He heard them people yelling it in the front row. <laughs> but I've had very tough, very brilliant people come up to me, made a lot of money. They were tough and vicious and, in many cases, horrible people. I don't even like them. And they said, could I ask you a question? How the hell did you take it? How did you get up in the morning and get dressed? How did you do it? I said, I don't know. I just had to do it. I just had to do it. But I fully understood. And these are tough people. These are people can take a lot. And I get asked all the time. I mean, we win the Mueller hoax. We win the Russia, Russia, Russia deal. Then we have to win impeachment hoax number one. Then we have to win impeachment hoax number two. And then we have to win. Now we got a January 6th where He's not wrong. I mean, he talks about I the know. administrative state the same way he talks about the deep state. Um, yep. you know, like they're one and the same. They're two different entities. But uh, I, I get where he's coming from and, and probably not really important to the demographic of his listenership out there in, in Commerce, Georgia. Yeah, but he felt the need to, you know, mention it. Yeah, no, it, it was good. And uh, it was definitely a lot of the, the points that he brought up. It, it, it's hard to question that. How did he get up in the morning? No, I always wondered. I, I'm telling you, I mean... Jeez, it's I can you know, I can only imagine and I always say and I, I even talk about this with my mom talked about this with my mom the other day. You have to like have some sort of divine like intervention or help to go through what he went through, dodge all the bullets that he did. I mean, and still get everything that he got done done. Yeah. You know, more than many previous um presidents and and then he he looks like he's reverse aging yeah like no lie the guy looks great for his age and he's sharp as hell like we said man i i'll tell you i'd be completely burnt out i would probably go live in a cave and not want to see anybody ever no it's, it's a good point you make like i said up at 8 a.m in the morning flying from new jersey to georgia 18 holes of golf and then a quick little drive over to the fairgrounds where they held this rally and uh I don't hear any drop-off in his uh, energy level so far. I think it's actually going up as the rally went on because this crowd was really interactive with him. Oh, yeah. I think also, too, that he's taking care of himself more, even though he's under a lot of stress. Yeah. The guy doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He, um, he's he got really good people around him that love him. He's a genuinely good person, you know? I feel like a lot of these people in office, too, are just you know some people some people are cut out for it some people aren't as well yeah and he's doing what he loves so it's it's one of yeah, those things he loves where it. you know he's really having a good time with it but uh he segued onto some of his friends first up on the hit list was hillary clinton he talked about the case that uh came out last week where he announced he was suing her i'm suing for millions of dollars in damages against <laughs> crooked hillary clinton james comey andrew mccain <laughs> The two lovers, remember the lovers, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And they're going around suing everybody. They used the FBI's web. That was not a good idea. They used the FBI's servers. 
It's been a while since we heard that one. Yeah. Mm. We're suing this guy, Christopher Steele, for writing a fake. Guy got a fortune. He got more money than James Patterson, the number one author, gets for a book. Christopher Steele, <laughs> a lightweight jerk, Fusion GPS, the Democratic National Committee. Another beauty, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. How about her? <laughs> Jake Sullivan, who's telling us all there is to know about Ukraine. How's he doing? The NC law firm Perkins Coie, Democrat lawyers Michael Sussman, Mark Elias, and many, many more. And it's a big case. Let me give you the bad news. This could only happen to me. This could only happen to me. Should I give you the bad news? We filed this great case. We've got a judge who was appointed by Bill and Hillary Clinton. Oh, God. How do you think that's going to go? This shit can only happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> he started to uh, segue a little bit as he was getting ready to round third and come home in regards to, you know, content for the rally. Uh, he brought some of the notables on stage. Obviously, this was a Save America rally for David Perdue, who's running for the governorship of Arizona, or I'm sorry, of Georgia right now. He also uh, had Herschel Walker come up. Uh, MTG came and spoke. Um, a couple others, you know, and, and he gave shout-outs to all the people, Jake Evans and Patrick Witt, who both served in the Trump administration. They're both running for different things in the state of Georgia right now. He called them both out by name. And uh, what I thought was pretty interesting was the last person he brought up on stage, who was a uh, sitting House representative out of uh, Florida 1, Matt Gates, And uh, Matt was pretty hyped. And gave the crowd something a little bit uh, good to cheer about. No greater country than America. There is no greater president than Donald J. Trump. <laughs> and if you don't mind me saying so, there is not a better member of Congress than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Give us the ability to fire Nancy Pelosi, take back the majority, impeach Joe Biden, and I'm going to nominate Donald Trump for Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> It's starting to come up more and more. Very interesting. I, I didn't watch the, the last two rallies. I only caught clips, so okay. I didn't see this one. But wow. Hmm. Dasting. Well, Gates was lit. I'm surprised he said that. Yeah. I mean, he's made comments about it before and talked about it on his Firebrand podcast, but he's never gone out to like an event, you know. That, on stage with him. <laughs> yeah. And, and basically, you know, called it out like that. Listen, we've talked about logistically how it would go it would be between 100 and 120 days before he could file and officially announce and if that's what if the who's going to be speaker of the house is a, it's so you know i think donald trump's holding out right now because who's going to be speaker of the house goes to how many america first candidates get in yeah. if, if it's an overwhelming majority of america first candidates it's not going to be kevin mccarthy yeah at that point donald trump might need to step in if there's like a power vacuum right because you don't know how jim jordan and jim banks and a couple of the other ones are going to side. Obviously, we know where a lot of the Freedom Caucus members, like Matt Gates and MTG and uh, Gosar and Cawthorn, they're all obviously going to go for not Kevin McCarthy. And then you have, uh, you know, the prospectus of uh, so many people coming in: the Joe Kent, the Robbie Starbucks, Mike Collins. They're not voting for him either. Yeah. Um, you know, Crispy and uh, Andrew McCarthy last week posted they aren't voting for him. You know, it, it's becoming pretty apparent that uh, 
you know, they know what's up and, and we're going to have more of the same bullshit if Kevin McCarthy's Speaker of the House. Now, if we get a lot of establishment Republicans and Kevin McCarthy's the Speaker, then, you know, Donald Trump probably won't have to go in there and take off his belt for 120 days before he makes his candidacy for 2024 official. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of those things where we'll just have to wait and see what happens. It's one of those items that you just can't determine the outcome yet because it's too early. But it's good to hear them talking about it like it's a legit thing because yeah. I remember the first time we brought it up, this was pre-July. And, uh, you know, we were still at uh, Nick's house when people were talking about it moving forward. If the election didn't go the uh, the way they, they wanted it to, he jumped right back into it and, and brought up another one of his friends uh, who he's been referencing at the past couple rallies, Hunter Biden. Now that the laptop's been made congressional record, let's hear him weigh in on it from the big stage. About as low as they've ever been, other than the very old days. And today they're setting records, and you're going to have records that are going to be far higher. And I predicted this all during the campaign. Remember during the debates where all of these uh, debate moderators were protecting Biden? You're not allowed to ask him why he got three. This is Chris Wallace, a real loser. (laughs) You're not allowed to ask him why he got... Three and a half million dollars from the mayor of Moscow's wife. You're not allowed. Why? Why? Now it turns out to be a very good question, right? Why did he get three and a half million dollars? Him and Biden, him and his son, Hunter. Remember, we used to say, where's Hunter? Hunter's right now living very nicely, selling paintings for half a million dollars apiece. (laughs) I had a guy, they're doing a White House painting, right? A White House, beautiful White House painting. And I have to interview artists. And these are really talented people. And the one artist, he's phenomenal. His talent is incredible. He actually made a painting so good. I wish I was so handsome as this painting. But he made a painting so beautiful for the White House. I said, how much will that cost? He said, oh, I'd say about $25,000, sir. I said, you mean Hunter Biden, who never did a painting before, gets a half a million dollars, and you're getting 25000 What the hell is going on with that, David Perdue? What's going on with that, David Perdue? Tell me. But there's a new slogan you're hearing all across the country, and it's on hats. It's on the best-selling hat. It said, Trump was right. We were right about everything. (laughs) (laughs) And in addition to restoring the Trump energy policies, the United States must also immediately restore the Trump border policies. We have a border that's the worst. We have people coming into our country there, let out of prisons from many countries, not just the four that I've always named. (laughs) Too funny. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Not as funny as the next clip, though. Like I said, no one was safe, and uh, he was going after everybody. We've already seen him go after Crooked Hillary, Hunter and Joe Biden. He called out Washerman Schultz, Mark Elias, half of the DNC, Perkins Coie, Ray and Steele and, and, and Paige and all those other ones. John, yeah. Not even John Kerry was safe. Probably, <laughs> probably his most... Uh, He's never safe. Now, now, I don't think either one of you guys ha- have seen the full rally, so I don't know if you, you've heard this, what's become inflammatory clip now. Mm. Let's hear it. You have people like John Kerry worrying about the climate. The climate. Oh, I heard that the other day. Here we are, guys, threatening us. He's worried about the ocean will rise one hundredth of one percent over the next three hundred fucking years. <laughs> Gotta love it. 
it's amazing. I love that he's getting so savage with his with his uh, cussing. Yeah, no, it's, it's so good. funny. And of course, he went right down uh, and called out. You know, the woke agenda is one of the things that bothers him the most. He actually, yeah. uh, you know, weighed in on some of the stuff that's going on in, in women's sports right now, the whole destruction of Title IX and, and women's identity in sports, namely the NCAAs and what's happened in, you know, track and, and more recently swimming. Um, it, it was good to kind of hear him weigh in and make a strong stance on it. Let's hear it. A party that's unwilling to admit that men and women are biologically different in defiance of all scientific and human history is a party that should not be anywhere near the levers of power in the United States of America. <laughs> Say what you want, but Judge Jackson was unbelievably disrespectful to Republican senators that in many cases were really nicely asking questions. She had total disdain and even hatred for them, and I understand that she's very proud of the fact that she never once voted to support President Trump on anything. She always voted against me, and she brags about it. I always voted against Trump. How about that? Is that nice? She always voted against me. Maybe it's an incorrect story, but I have a feeling it may be correct. Another key step for Republican Congress would be to rein in the corrupt Silicon Valley tech monopolies and restore free speech in America. Good to hear him. And, and he touched a little bit on the SCOTUS nomination as well. I think, uh, you know, her of all people need to uh, be reined in because oh yeah, her whole hearings last week were embarrassing. So embarrassing. It was ridiculous. So the way I was looking at it, I think SCOTUS season ends... Early June, and then they don't rebench until the first week of October, which would be the start of fiscal year 2023. Okay. So there's there's still time to lobby, but it's going to be really difficult to not get her confirmed without the Great Wall of Mansion mm-hmm. coming down and uh, you know really making a stand on it. I think the good news about having time is maybe he gets to go back to uh, you know West Virginia and meet with his constituents, and they tell him how unhappy they are with it because I can't see how this doesn't hurt his reelection in 2024. If he's going to go ahead and appoint somebody to a, you know, a lifetime position after she'd made such outrageous comments about the women and, you know, just some of the other, the Gitmo and then obviously all the pedo stuff that, you know, we just don't tolerate here, but you know, I think she more than disqualified herself. hundred percent. And I think Manchin would, be making a very big mistake if he doesn't do the right thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I heard cinemas looking the other way. So, you know, they've always kind of been a tag team duo. And uh, we can only hope, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Joe Manchin doesn't listen to Steak for Breakfast, but when he goes back to see his people that they, uh, you know, let him hear it and, and let him know where it's going to hurt him the most. We haven't played the Trump closeout in the last two rallies because it's been almost impossible to find a clip, so I went and made my own this week. Let's hear him kind of finish it out here and the way he usually does. Together, we are totally unstoppable. Together, we are unbeatable. And together, our victory is inevitable. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it like it's never been done before. We have more credibility than we've ever had, because you see before you, our country is going to hell. And so, with the help of everyone here today and the citizens all across our land, 
We will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you all. Not bad. I like it. So, but you know, it's got to be sooner than later because things are getting spicy and, and out of control. Pit- yeah, people are. I mean, people are on their last legs right now. Oh, I agree with you one hundred percent. Energy wise, I think it was his best one so far. Was he yeah. still? Was he still living in the glow and aura of hitting the hole in one at uh, the golf course earlier in the day? Who knows? But that crowd was extremely interactive and receptive to the message that he brought to the table and he was up to the task to meet it and then exceed the energy that he was receiving from them. Um, Mm -hmm. He talks about a lot of important things. Remember, this isn't about Trump right now. Yes, it's about Trump because it's physically a Trump rally. Uh, But the whole Save America movement is for him getting out there, letting you know who he's putting his support behind. Again, one person I forgot to mention who was there, but I saw him lurking behind him. Vernon Jones was there. Um, we all know that's not going to happen just based off the poll numbers. It doesn't matter how many times Donald Trump brings him up on stage. That's just somebody that's not going to, re- you know, resonate with the America first movement. Mike Collins right. is running away with that district. Uh, it, it's like 20 plus points right now. And, uh, you know, we wrote, um, and published a new Substack over the weekend that talked about some of the things, uh, that's really going on. And, you know, we really don't talk about it too much on the show, but, but this directly ties into it. So, you know, we all feel with the midterm elections, Let's just say if this was a three-movie piece, we're about to enter part three of the trilogy. We're probably in the after credits of volume two. Yeah. And then when you look at it and some of the things that are, like, not working for Trump right now, he doesn't have a complete inner circle. Obviously, Liz Harrington, she's top-notch. Dan Scavino, he's top-notch. Some of the assistants, you know, Tyler uh, Budowich, he's he's top-notch. He's got some really good ones around him. But it's just... His resources are either pulled too thin or they're just people without the America, you know, America first interest there. And you see it from some of the endorsements, the bad endorsements and, uh, you know, takes like uh, you brought up part of that uh, speech that he had prepared for the rally on Saturday. That part about Vladimir Putin specifically probably shouldn't have been in there because of their standing relationship. Yeah, I don't Uh, think so. But I think obviously there's a reason for it. You know, I I think that. Obviously, he's going to take every opportunity he can to to make Biden look bad. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, and, well, and it's one of those things. But you and know, I think Putin knows that. You know, Putin's not like he's you know getting offended by Trump saying that because I think that they both had an understanding with each other and have respect for each other. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and it's it's one of those things. Like I said, that that Substack article we put out, you can go find it on a. You know, use the link tree in, in our bios on any of our social medias. It, it, you know, Antoinette awesome. still needs to edit it a little bit. And Vishvara, that was one of the first things he said to me when he called to tell me how impressed he was with it. But, you know, at the same time, we're going to be writing a follow-up article and have a little bit more of DC insidership in regards to it because Ooh. it's important right now. You know, we we got to be able to call it out. It makes me not feel good to talk about the bad things about Donald Trump. But then again, you're just some... 
jerk off who follows somebody around and believes whatever they say if you don't. And I think the biggest component that's missing to what he's got going on right now is the lack of a complete inner circle. That's not even bad. It's just some, you know, it's constructive criticism. Yeah, but, but when you, you would be able to worry less about races like Georgia 10 if you would have just not stuck Vernon Jones there and let Mike Collins, who was 20 points up before Vernon Jones was inserted into the race, finish running away with it. Mike Collins has been to 16 Donald Trump. He's been to so many Trump events. Newsmax did like a 10-minute interview with him, even though he wasn't going to be called up on the stage by Donald Trump at the pregame of the rally. Mm. You know, everybody, everybody knows that he's the guy, but it's just right. one of the, one of these things like there's like so many other districts in Georgia because could have threw Vernon Jones. Maybe he could have won one and you would have had another, you know, Trump lackey in there with him. But it's one of those things we got to call it when we see it. And, I don't and know. So, I mean, I feel like if it's just like him not knowing, you know, then fine. But maybe it's for a reason. I'm yeah. Not sure. For me, it's hard to believe that Donald Trump doesn't know who Mike Collins is for how much of, you know, as right. a small business owner before he got into this race, he was an advocate and, and a big man. No way he doesn't Trump. know. Come on. You know. So and, and the best part about it is I watched Mike Collins do that interview in the pregame on Saturday and he was so in line with like Trump era policies and t- talking about why he supports Donald Trump. And it's, it's, it's good to see people be bigger and better than the mess that can usually be, uh, you know, what a campaign is. Right. And and one of those races that's starting to heat up right now is the Arizona senatorial one. Uh, we've got three big candidates there and the race is tightening up bigly. And we're going to hear from our second um, senatorial candidate from the great state of Arizona, Jim Lehman, who's getting ready to join us right now. All right. Joining us next on the show today, he is a committed conservative and a candidate for the U S Senate coming out of Arizona, hot state right now in regards to those races. Mr. Jim Lehman, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to having some good discussion. Yeah, pleasure is all ours. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. How's everything going on the campaign trail? Great. We have, um, we're have we averaging a little over 1,200 miles a week over the last uh, 10 months. Been a great way to get to know what is truly on the minds of the voters here in Arizona. Uh, and Fortunately, it aligns uh, very directly with my beliefs, and those are kind of top to bottom, you know, securing the border, uh, getting back to America first, you know, not China first, not Washington first, but truly this country and its people, workers, taxpayers. And then thirdly, getting the federal government basically out of our lives. You know, they just continue to go inch by inch, you know, just like the Communist Chinese Party seems to be doing our country, so is the federal government. to get back to freedom uh, as individuals. Uh, it doesn't exist in many places on the planet, but my gosh, it certainly belongs here in uh, American Arizona. Yeah, you got some really great races going on out there right now. Everything from the governor and some of your local districts all the way up to and including yourself in the U.S. Senate. So w- what are some of those things you, you said? You know, the border is obviously one of the biggest topics and, and hottest issues facing the nation right now. Um, we've heard some from some of the gubernatorial candidates out there, some proposals to kind of finish the border wall, maybe even do things all the way up and leading to deportations themselves. You know, the state of Arizona uh, running it, sending people back. How important is that to, uh, you know, get up on Capitol Hill once you win the Senate seat? That's far and away what the voters want. Uh, it's polling 82% uh, of our voters as being their number one priority, uh, which is astonishing. Uh, you know, John McLaughlin does our polling best in the country, the most uh, revered 
conservative pollster, most accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, and we see the same thing on the campaign trail. My goal, guys, is in the U.S. Senate basically to do everything in my power to shut down business in the U.S. Senate until we get southern border secure. I'm blessed to have the endorsement of the National Border Patrol Council, 21,000 members, and their leadership, Brandon Judd, Tom Holman, uh, et cetera. Uh, those guys really see it front line every day. And 42,000 a week? I mean, my gosh, you know, from around the world. Uh, we are no longer, nor should we ever have been, the world's refugee camp. And I've been to the border, I don't know, at least a dozen times in the last, uh, you know, nine, ten months. Uh, with the border guys, uh, they've endorsed, as I said, the earliest ever. They've endorsed. They typically do not do it in the primary. They want somebody strong. They want somebody that's a fighter. Because I tell you, the border will tell you the same thing, is that when we go there, these are not humanitarian cases, uh, you know, from a neighbor in Mexico. These are Russian military-age males, Czechs, uh, Czechoslovakia, Congo, China, uh, Venezuela, Cuba. You know, these passports, they stack up uh, before they cross over is incredible. It's like the United Nations, you know, of military age males coming through. Yeah, it's an excellent point you uh, bring up right there. We've, we've sat down with uh, the Daily Callers, Jorge Ventura, several times, who's done extensive work on both sides of the border. And he's pointed out the fact, you know, they show a lot of file footage on TV of Del Rio. It looks like, you know, Hispanic migrants coming through with their families and uh, people looking for, you know, economic purposes, a better life. And in regards to what's happened since Joe Biden's took office, that's just not the case. We're up to over 120 countries with people like you've mentioned coming in from all parts of the world, and they're not with families. It's either single fighting age males or a lot of children. And, uh, you know, that stuff's just not getting reported in the news. So it's one of those things that uh, it's good that someone like yourself is bringing attention to that and, and, and you know, providing some real light on it. Tend to do the same in the Senate, uh, you know, somewhat like Trump from the White House, how he was a big spokesman, you know, for the American worker, for the America first agenda. Uh, a bit like Ron DeSantis uh, in Florida, where he stands up for the right thing, you know, doesn't give a damn about the media. And same for me in the U.S. Senate. Uh, I'm not taking a single pack dollar, not a lobbyist dollar, putting in a small fortune of my own, uh, being a, a businessman. I sold my most recent business uh, last year. A uh, big design, uh, construction, uh, power plant, uh, building uh, company. Oh, wow. Focus on being there for the American people. You know, we taxpayers, we American workers, you know, we small business people live, you know, we're the last thing on the mind of those in D.C. And I intend to put it front and center, uh, call it like it is, uh, you know, none of this Minnie Mouse talk up there. You know, American people in business, uh, they don't. You know, we don't speak the way they do in D.C., and I intend to speak very forthrightly about the issues and do something about it. Right? It's times over for, oh, poor will me and the U.S. Senator House about can't get anything done. Well, my God, you got to get something done in business or you, you know, you go out of business. Yeah. Same way in the U.S. Senate is start standing up, you know, for those that pay the taxes and those that grind it out every day to put a meal on the, on the table at home. Sure. And when you talk about those people who are putting those meals on the table, it's the, you know, hardworking blue collar American men and women and their families. I know you talked about America first policies, including the economy, and uh, you, you tie that into China. So we're, we're looking at anywhere between 23 and $25 uh, billion a month, half a 
trillion dollars a year in, in goods and stuff that we're, you know, in with in bed with with China. I, I'm sure right after the border, the economy is probably the next most important thing to the hardworking men and women of Arizona. What are some of the things you're proposing to? Uh, I mean, we saw Joe Biden yesterday roll out almost a six trillion dollar budget for next fiscal year. And, uh, you know, what are you looking to do to uh, to combat things like that? Because there's a lot there because as a business guy and building billion dollar coal plants, gas plants, solar plants, on time a budget, I understand what it's like to build businesses and to ensure that the workers are taken care of every day, mm-hmm. like the American taxpayers should be. And that's anything but what's happening in DC. Now, there's way too many lobbyists with their hands out uh, for the Communist Chinese Party influencing things to their agenda instead of the American taxpayer. For example, in business, you know, we have to comply with certain reasonable regulations, uh, environmental controls, workplace safety, reasonable wages, FICA, et cetera. None of that applies with the Chinese uh, companies uh, importing in our country. That's got to stop yeah. simply tilting the tables against ourselves. And that's not what should be done. And, and by gosh, I'm going to be hardcore on tariffs for Chinese goods that don't have to comply with those regulations simply to level the playing field. And you'll hear why should, oh, we have too many regulations. You know, we probably do, but relative to in business, uh, you know, environmental controls, we all want clean air and water. Some of that stuff is pretty decent and China does zero of it. Let's think about inflation. Let me turn to that for just a moment as sure. well. Uh, I come from an energy background, power, 30 years, understanding that, as I've told both President Trump, Mitch McConnell, Rick Scott, I know that better than anybody they've got on the floor today. I'm not arrogant. I just, you know, what I've been doing for the last 30 plus years, uh, it is uh, the hypocrisy of and insanity of what we're doing today with shutting down American pipelines, uh, just being against American energy, and then going and begging Russia for more, trying to cut deals with the terrorists in Iran. We've got bountiful energy supplies uh, in this country uh, from natural gas, coal, solar, uh, you name it, we've got it. Uh, most countries don't. You know, China doesn't have a lot of coal nor right. uh, natural gas. And we should certainly be using that uh, in part of that trade balance. The other part of trade balance, as mentioned earlier, is to make sure they have to play by the same rules or they get tariffed. Uh, sell that energy around the world. And I propose that when it leaves our shores uh, as export, we put a 20% excise tax on it that goes directly to paying down the national debt. doesn't go through the general treasury, boom, straight to paying down the debt. But also getting the cost of diesel uh, down in this country. In business, we work on milestones and metrics. And one of those in, in my mind is $2 uh, for a gallon of diesel gas that should be kind of our target not by government manipulation, but simply opening up for exploration uh, from Alaska to, you know, Utah, wherever it is, those are public lands, you know, not quote federal. They belong to us, the people, and we need to be doing that. We can do that responsibly. We do that every day in building power plants and drilling and fracking. Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is about government control and slowing down America, which certainly appeases Communist Chinese Party that owns many of the politicians uh, in D.C. Uh, this whole thing about food shortages that Biden brought up in his discussion the other day is right. BS. This is America, you know, bountiful lands. When you get the EPA, Forest Service, BLM, you know, back in their little box, yes, clean air and clean water, 
Congress sets the laws. We don't need endless interpretations. We don't need the puddles out on our farmlands, you know, being declared, you know, something uh, <laughs> for the U.S. Let me bring up one other guys, and that is water to the west. You know, we're conserving, which is great. Uh, but also, we have bountiful water supplies back east, Mississippi River, Tennessee, Ohio. Uh, we need those out here in the west. A portion, a fraction, literally, of those will solve our needs in the west. Bring 20-foot diameter pipelines across the northern plains, already been designed at Bureau of Land Reclamation. Met with those guys, understand it. I'm a big infrastructure guy coming, you know, from private industry. Sure. Uh, there's absolutely no reason, simply... The same way we move oil and gas around this country. And water is a heck of a lot easier than moving uh, petroleum products. Start solving those problems. Thinking big again as America, you know, by the way, we would not have to put a single federal dollar into it. We could simply uh, put it out for bid for private industry to put the water out west, pay for it as it comes out the other end on a competitive basis. Sure, we got to help get the right-of-ways done, things of that nature along uh, the interstate highway system, simply expand that. How it comes out from, you know, St. Louis out west anyway. But think big. Let's get back to solving problems and get out of the business of trying to uh, control the American people and start supporting them. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of those good points you make up, especially ones on on both state and uh, national infrastructure that I, I just don't think are even in the minds of people right now because of all the stuff that's going on. But when you look back to the, well, I mean, the Biden administration puts his, simply as the root causes of the problems, it's some of those things like those pipelines that would bring gas and water and things to the West where we're always seeming to have issues with that and our energy in addition to, like you said, a lot of those, you know, the red tape and regulations that we see put up or, or were reinstituted by the Biden administration. We were making such strides in regards to trade, uh, some minor things infrastructure-wise, but uh, becoming energy independent and, and then actually like a seller of energy uh, as it was under the Trump administration. It's just that, you know, they made that whole thing with the 900 permits for, for drilling, and a lot of people hear that as kind of like a drive-by headline a few weeks ago. But they don't understand that, you know, a lot of those places that are approved for permits that probably don't have oil under them, and then the ones that do have some of the most strictest regulations to where, like, Okay, a project that would take maybe like uh, a short amount of time under the Trump administration is going to take a decade under under these current uh, laws and regulations right now. So it's one of those things we have to start breaking it down and really getting to, uh, you know, the, the bottom of it to make sure that uh, everybody understands why this stuff is kind of getting out of control right now. And we're seeing such, you know, droughts across the board in our country. Because uh, it's just simply largest in D.C. Uh, I've been in, in a really big billion dollar power plants. Uh, I am yet to meet an individual from the EPA, BLM, or Forest Service who knew as much about what needed to be done as those in the industry that I was leading or other contractors like Bechtel, Fleur, great American companies. We know how to do it responsibly. We, uh, you cannot get financing on a project in this country without complying with law. Right. We don't need interpretation from these federal agencies that, quite frankly, 90% of them couldn't get a job in the private sector, okay? Get out of the way. We're going to unleash America again for our people, get great paying jobs again. A great example, guys, in Arizona, the world's largest known untapped manganese deposit, 14 miles outside of Nogales. We're in Nogales. Uh, we're advertising on Spanish because uh, those guys were and the ladies were responding to us down there. They don't want any more of this government control crap and open borders either. They want good paying jobs. The average job for that mine, when it opens, is $72,000. 
And there's 5,000 of those jobs simply waiting for the Forest Service to get off their butts. They've been pissing around with this thing for 12 years. Mm. You know, the lands out here on, are controlled by the people's lands are 49% of Arizona. That's enough. Let's like take 0.1% of that and use it for manganese, which is, you know, used in strengthening steel. Yep. And make high strength steel without it, which includes, you know, battle tanks. Let's get back to doing that ourselves because right now we import 82% from China, for God's sakes. So the world's turned upside down its head uh, in D.C. I intend to turn it back right side for the American taxpayer, the American worker, because that's who I'm going to represent, guys. I said, no lobbyist dollars, no tax, tax uh, no lobbyist dollars or anything to do with the lobbyist. It is all about the American people and the taxpayers here in Arizona. I like to hear when candidates get in the race and really promote some of those values, including where, you know, those dollars are going to be coming from. We don't want to hear anything about lobby groups and special interests anymore. Yeah. Jim, I think one of the biggest questions that our listenership was was gearing up for this week, you know, when we teased that you were coming on the show is, so it's a three-way race for the U.S. Senate in Arizona right now. you got Mark Burnovich, Blake Masters, and yourself. That race is really heating up, and the numbers are tightening as you guys are getting out there. And work, Well, Mark Burnovich isn't out there working at all, to say the least. Uh, you know, but, but I, I think what we really want to know, our listenership is really involved in, what separates you from those two candidates? I mean, you talked about some of the America First values. You talked about no lobbying and interest. But when you're out there on the campaign trail and you're getting a lot of people out to these events like we've seen on your social medias and stuff like that, what's really drawn the people to you right now that's uh, separating you from the other two candidates in this race? Well, guys, of those three, uh, the only one of us is a veteran. Uh, Mark did a little stint in National Guard as adjutant. And I've been six years, you know, in troop duty, <laughs> a paratrooper, engineer officer in uh, – for years of that in Germany, up front and center, you know, against communism uh, when it was uh, a Cold War. The job creation side uh, created tens of thousands of jobs in wow. the company that I built in the private sector and even in the, oh, excuse me, in the public uh, domain of public companies. More recently here in Arizona, uh, just sold a billion dollar company last year, built, designed and built big solar plants by bringing coal and gas guys over. You know, we just, that market uh, really well because we're doing it like a good, strong energy team would do. The other one is the endorsements. Um, we've got 28 across the board. Uh, the other guy's got a couple of three. And ours include, as I said earlier, National Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd leadership there, 21,000 members, Arizona Police Association, Arizona Police and Sheriff's Association, and the National Association of Police Officers, all of them endorsed because they want somebody that's a fighter. They want somebody's going to be tough. They want somebody to go to D.C. and represent the people and get back to a safe America instead of, you know, the Soros D.A. side that, you know, lets loose uh, the criminals, you know, sanctuary cities, all of that craziness that's going on to get back strong American values. I'm the only one that's sworn off lobbyists and, and PAC dollars. The other two are loading up on it. That's, that's just about all of the funds that, that they get. Blake's mostly out of Silicon Valley and uh, right. Bernie. Uh, a large chunk out of New York. So guys, uh, genuine, you know, coming at it from a America value standpoint, America first. I'm the only guy that's, you know, built companies, balanced budgets, uh, you know, done things the good old American way uh, versus uh, kind of doing it either in the public or, and, you know, as being attorney general for seven years, do nothing guy like, like uh, Mark uh, or Blake, you know, good young guy, you know, smart. Uh, his time will come. And just go build a business or run a business, something of that nature. First, guys, the people are responding uh, in incredible ways. Our 
You know, you look at our size rallies and audiences are yeah. about 60% greater uh, than the other guys. Uh, Barnovitz is not out there at all. You know, he's had all kinds of opportunities to build things. And also, none of a zero amount of our ads uh, or money are spent on going after Republicans. 100% spent on ads, flyers, et cetera, going after, you know, the, the craziness of the left. Uh, Mark Kelly uh, and Biden, who are in lockstep with each other. Mm. Uh, so those are some of, some of those differences. And it's just uh, the energy. Uh, and, and we have folks that go to their rallies. So or they don't have rallies. They have meetings. We have rallies and meetings, et cetera. We've also opened up eight offices around the state, regional offices. Because, guys, we're not seeing a vote anywhere. We're up north. We're all the way down in uh, Yuma, Tucson. Uh, like I said, up on uh, Spanish radio, uh, both languages, uh, a website that way as well. Because there's a tremendous amount of Latino vote coming our way because of, you know, they same values in my company when I sold it. Almost 2,000 employees, 32% Latino. I get it, guys. We're we're all in this together. Americans, right? Not this division of, you know, we against them type of thing. This is American. So my goal is to make Arizona the, the people in the country who can be proudest of their U.S. senator by calling it like it is on the Senate floor. Yeah, so it looks like you, you've hit most of the check marks, and you guys, first of all, the most important thing right there is the ground game. You talked about the offices, and, and that's just one of the things that you, you can't make up for in any way, shape, or form. We saw it uh, most recently when President Trump endorsed uh, Purdue in Georgia. I think a lot of that endorsement came after being in the Senate and then running a Senate campaign. There may have been better candidates out there, but the fact of the matter is he had the you know in-state infrastructure set up kind of the way like you're doing for yourself. It definitely adds to you know how much of a reach you can get and how much you can physically get out there and, and resonate with the people. You're talking about Spanish. Uh, and, and doing like the dual language ads where you're, where you're broadcasting and stuff. I think, you know, the Latino vote and independence are probably going to be the deciding factor in this election. In, in many races, when you talk about House, Senate, and governors across the country in the midterm elections, and then the experience you bring. You know, you, you may have been someone who created all these jobs and, and done the business, and I think that really resonates with a lot of the people where, you know, they get it. You've gone through the red tape. You've seen what it's like when people come in and try to lobby you to get special interests in there and stuff like that. And you've created jobs, which I think is probably the most important thing uh, that a lot of people are looking for in this economy right now. Last thing I want to touch on, you can give us whatever kind of a take on it you can give. So, you know, we know what a lot of the problems in Washington, D.C. are up in the Beltway without even talking about it. What's your take on leadership there currently, and, and what would you like to see for the future? Sure, it's got to be bold. I intend to... Uh, said earlier, be that conservative voice, that America first voice for the worker and the taxpayer on the Senate floor. Um, whomever is going to be the Republican uh, majority leader, you know, I'm going to make damn sure that they understand, you know, what Arizona's needs are and what those taxpayer workers' needs are. Uh, there's some, uh, you know, look-see here that maybe Rick Scott with that 11-point plan, maybe he's going to be running for majority leader. You know, Mitch McConnell's never had anyone run against him. Right. Uh, and I've had this conversation I said earlier with President Trump and with Rick Scott and with McConnell. You know, I'm not drinking any of their Kool-Aid. <laughs> I love President Trump's policies. I like some things that Mitch got done on judges, but not the rest of the agenda. We've got to go in like the left does. Yep. They're prepared and they're ready to go day one and they shove it down the right's throat and, and they just stand there and take it. I played a couple of years college linebacker in Alabama. I've uh, been a paratroop in the military, you know, been building pig 
coal gas plants with 40,000 workers and union craft. Guys, I don't want to stand up and take it and give it back. So I'm going there regardless who's in the leadership position. You know, Arizona's voice has got to be heard loud and clear on its Senate floor. I'm also taking a team, right? The other guys tend to bring young college graduate Republicans. And I'm bringing a team of each of our 20 policies. Things like Brandon Judd will name the guy on my border policy. That guy or lady's job is to be in every committee meeting, bring in examples, bring the guys from the border, let them hear it, you know, from the real speakers of truth as to what's going on. Same from forestry management, uh, water, law enforcement, uh, inflation. Uh, we intend to be real policy uh, people who are digging deep up there and not using this excuse of, oh, it, you know, the bill landed on my desk last night. I don't know what's in it. We're going to be upstream understanding what's in it and making sure that if I need to vote no, if I need to do whatever I can to stop legislation and vote no, I guess let's do it. Let's get it right. Yep. Stop kicking this can down the road and adding to our deficit and growing federal agencies. That's just got to stop a long time ago. It hasn't. That's the reason I'm running, guys. I don't need a job, but by gosh, we need a country. That's an excellent point you make there, and I think probably one of the strongest ones you made so far this afternoon. Jim, we want to be able to direct as much of our listenership over to support you, whether it's everything from sharing social medias and knocking on doors to donating directly to your campaign and helping you get over the finish line in the Republican primary right now. Why don't we tell our listenership where they could find your website and then across social medias? Guys, uh, Jim Lehman, L-A-M-O-N.com. You can find everything there from our policies, our donation site. Uh, You can link up with all of our social media. You know, we're on from Getter to Getter to uh, Facebook, you name it, uh, we're on there. Uh, of those eight offices, guys, uh, with the hundreds of volunteers that we've got, we'd love to have you jump in and help. Uh, we've got very well organized uh, phone call list, door knock list. We're already over a hundred thousand phone calls uh, made, headed to two million before early ballots uh, go out in ninety-eight days. It's on us, guys, and come on in and join. Don't wait. Let's go make this happen. And this guy also made a hell of a Super Bowl ad, if you uh, can remember. We shared it on uh, oh, yeah. our social medias this week. We loved it. And, uh, Jim, after the, after the primaries, we'll be sure to be looking to have you back and join us. And uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward. We'll be sharing this uh, portion of this interview in a standalone segment this week. And, obviously, the show will be up later this afternoon. So this is the America First candidate running to represent the state of Arizona in the Senate after the midterm elections, Mr. Jim Lehman. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Awesome, guys. Have a great day. Take care. It was good hearing from uh, Jim Lehman getting him on the show for the first time, kind of lay out his platform. Actually, really solid interview from him. He's got a lot of stuff going on that I like, uh, and I think his experience. Yeah, he seems solid. Yeah, his his background in business, the fact that he's signing those anti-lobby and special interest, um, you know, things in his campaign, very solid. I, I, I'm glad the race, you know, I think it's going to be Masters and him at the end. Uh, yeah, because... I, I like him a lot. I think he's got a really good chance. I mean, everything he said was I, I agreed with. Yeah. One thing I didn't agree with was Joe Biden rolling out his $5.8 trillion budget proposal for fiscal year 2023 yesterday. Can we just spend a little bit less money? A little right bit now? less? This thing is so bad, it included both raising the debt ceiling and hiking taxes. So we've printed how much of a percentage of all U.S. money ever in the last X amount of years? 80% since 2019. So 80% 80%? of the money ever created. Ever. Ever. (laughs) In the history of our country. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. I didn't know it was 80 now. Yeah. Holy shit. What? Well, I mean. And then the biggest transfer of wealth in history from the people to the conglomerate. God. Yep. Ugly. Just like this thing was yesterday. And, uh. Gosh. It's scary. Yeah. It's like, how, how are we going to recover from, from we don't. this? I mean, the only way is what, if we get Trump back and we got China paying us trillions of dollars in, in reparations. reparations. Yeah. yeah, Fox News' Jackie D'Angelo's got, got out ahead of it yesterday and did uh, one of the afternoon shows before Biden actually came out to speak. Let's hear her kind of give her take on it. She actually delivers home heating oil. You've seen the prices of that go up. You've seen prices at the pump go up. And so essentially what you're seeing in this proposed budget is more of this administration's um, anti-energy, anti-fossil fuel push, right? We're dealing with a crisis right now overseas that has sent, helped send prices up. Biden's inflationary issues have sent us up the first leg that, that uh, consumers saw. And instead of saying, drillers, we're going to subsidize you. We're going to incentivize you. We're going to step back and let markets Markets regulate themselves and let business regulate itself. He's looking overseas to OPEC. He's looking at Qatar for natural gas um, and essentially saying we're going to take away any of the looser regulations that President Trump gave you to have this industry hum along. Wow. And so this is also yep. going to contribute to the problems that consumers are seeing and households are seeing, right? Some of their biggest uh, costs are food and energy. They like to strip that out when they look at inflation, and those numbers are still even bad, Harris. So this wow. is what I'm talking about. These are the contributing factors uh, that are going to take us down a very, very dangerous path. You can't take and keep taxing people to death where they feel like they have no future or it's not even worth going to work after a certain point. Mm. Let me well, yeah, you're going to be paying to go. You're going to be paying to go to work to keep your job, but you're only going to work and it's all going to gas. Yep. So you're basically just paying to keep your job. Yes. Essentially, yeah. There, there's some really scary stuff in there, including some jobs don't really feel like they're worth paying for anymore. Almost five hundred yeah, billion dollars in green new bullshit. It's so clear and obvious now. I don't know anyone with a half a fucking pea brain at this point to not realize and understand that. I don't give a shit what side of the aisle you on. Like. This green agenda is destroying everybody. Yep. Well, people don't seem to realize, and they will not realize it because their team won, quote unquote, and they're happy. Well, like you still see, you still see people defending Joe Biden. Like I saw the 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 pictures of Joe Biden literally having a the scripted questions that reporters were going to ask him and his answers, even from Fox News. Yeah. And people are defending him, saying, "Well, Trump used yeah. to scribble stuff on a on a Napkin. piece of paper with a with a magic marker or crayons." Yeah, I saw people are like, "What?" And then, <laughs> how, how is this? How is this bad? And I'm like, "You motherfuckers! Nobody like the press were hyenas." Yeah, and some of the stuff that Trump wrote on those pieces of paper were literally because he knew that the they press gonna was going to take pictures of it. <laughs> exactly, China in big black and bold. Yeah. I want nothing. I want nothing. No quid pro quo, like shit like that. But back to the green new bullshit. Like I'm fine with doing things that are going to benefit the, the, earth. the earth and keep things from being destroyed and, uh, well, just, you know, just yeah, ruining like normal shit. Like that's like common sense stuff. Yeah. But yeah. we cannot do all this stuff until 
we are energy independent. Yep. And it's like, it blows yeah, my mind that it. these people will not just realize that, guess what? We can't just shoot ourselves in the foot every time something doesn't agree with your fucking delicate goddamn Agenda. sensibilities. Well, you can't just shut something down before the other thing is in place. Mm-hmm. If we were to go, if this were to be a good thing, for example, this, this, all this, you know, electric cars, this and green, this, that, if it was supposed to be a good thing, there's a transition, you know, there, the other, the new one, the new, you know, green, whatever, program needs to already kind of be in place and slowly you know merge in with the old and then you know wean off the old like these people don't get that like so what are we all gonna do suffer and until like we're practically dead well maybe we just need to use examples that they will understand i mean like let's let's take some examples that we could be gleaned from the summer of love yeah so Hypothetically speaking, if you were going to throw a Molotov cocktail, you don't throw the Molotov cocktail and then light the lighter. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, some of them did. Unless you're throwing it at somebody who's already has a lighter lit. Oh, there you go. And then you're just, you know, ahead of the game. <laughs> you talked about that card from yesterday, some of our friends at the uh, friend zone meme share team. Oh, did they change? Yeah, they changed it. So... <laughs> One of the questions. One of the questions said, "If you weren't advocating for regime change, did, what did you mean? And can you clarify?" And Joe B- Biden's answers were supposed to be, "I was expressing the outrage I felt towards the action of this man. I was not articulating for a change in our policy." And then they have. Oh, they changed it to say. It says my butt's been wiped, <laughs> and then it says Wait, what did it say? my butt's been wiped, and then <laughs> can you read that second word? My butt's been wiped. Shunamilamilamilapresa. <laughs> And then where's Jill? <laughs> yep. I think they just need to they just need to change it to like a shopping list and it's like depends, peanut butter. And then there was a second question asking about, you know, Macron being one of the brokers of, of trying to get these two to the peace talks table, and the answer was yes, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Clap for that. Right. We're not gonna play any of Joe Biden's speech in regards to Thank you. you know, rolling out the budget, but Noah talked about the hyenas. They came after him in regards to questions after. He wasn't going to be able to stick to those no cards. And uh, this one's in regards to if he has any regerts on what he said when he was out in Brussels over the weekend. Let's hear it. How many regerts? Zero. Thank you, Mr. President. Do you believe what you said? Thank you, sir. Do you believe what you said, that Putin can't remain in power? Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Did your words complicate matters? That words matter. Well, yes, three different questions. I'll answer them all. Number one, I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man. It's literally what the card said. Just brutality of it. Half the children in now he's off the card. Just yep. come from so but I want to make it clear. I wasn't then nor am I now articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel and I make no apologies for it. Personal Don't worry, he's not done yet. I don't have my personal views on the card. You know, I don't think it's in this clip, but they got him so pissed off yesterday. He was like, come on, man. He he literally dropped one, and I tried he to come find on, man. He come on, man. Oh, it's a scrub from the internet. Of course, but let's hear him kind of double down on that. God, can we get press passes? The and leader just- of the mm. 
so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was going to. I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody what? believes that. Okay, so we're there. Nobody believes you take off your pants and you're pooping. There you go. <laughs> Ducey was next, and he hasn't had. Listen, first Saki got COVID, oh, she, and, got and, and then. How many times has she had COVID? Twice. As many times as she's been boosted? Oh, in the last month and a half. Oh, and I, and I checked in. For, we were talking about boosters on Friday. There are three available right now for the age range. Didn't fucking that horrendous, what, Kathy Griffin chick, didn't she get like four boosters and she's like, I want to say that they're- Dying her? She has cancer. Is it her? All I know is that- No, she, it was some, some freaking- Is it cancer? Yeah, no, she has cancer. And well, it, some terrible freaking celebrity was like, fourth booster, mother effers. And they gave us like 17 free COVID tests when we got boosted the fourth time. Triple H retired from the WWE last week because he now has a previously undiagnosed heart condition after receiving his booster. Yep. Saw that. Here comes Dr. Fauci with the steel chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ducey was next with Saki out. Jean out mm. he hasn't had a chance to ask anybody questions lately mm. he was grouchy and he made joe biden even grouchier you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that america is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back what's getting walked back it made it sound like just in the last couple days <laughs> uh, it sounded like you told u.s troops they were going to ukraine yes it sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded yes. like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. Oh, yeah, no shit, none Sherlock. None of the three, Mr. President. You, you, you interpret the language that way. I was talking what? to the troops. What? Literally, we're talking said it. about helping train the troops in that are the the Ukrainian troops that are to in use chemical Poland. weapons. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours eating pizza. That's what we talked. Choking about. on pizza. So when you said you're going to maybe see that was a chemical you weapon, there, you were not intending. I to was referring to with jalapenos, meeting with and talking with That'd the uh, Ukrainian troops who were in Poland. Oh. And when you said a chemical weapon, I'm not a used by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? Russia. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Why would I tell you? You got to be silly. The world wants to know. The world wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then, then Russia knows the response. <sighs> Same shit people used to do to, to Trump. He'd be like, when they would ask him, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm just so happy that... It's almost over? No, well, oh. that too. But just the fact that... I mean, it took a while for them to stop softballing him. Yeah. No, it did. It really did. And Because now it's just like, you know what? Well, now they have to sit through this shit themselves every freaking day. Every yeah, but it's also they have no ratings. And at least if they're doing something that seems controversial, maybe somebody right. will watch. Right. Like I mean, they know, all can't go punch Chris Rock. True story. <laughs> yeah. Eventually they did segue. And I think some of the handlers were like, all right, if we're not going to talk about the tax plan, we're going to end this. Or you bang know. Will Smith's wife. There you go. Which apparently everyone has done, except us. Maybe Antoinette has. I'm not sure. She used to be in Hollywood. What? I don't know. <laughs> Hell no. Perfect. There's Damn the receipt. It. Listen, if I ever went that way, which would never ever happen and Wouldn't never has, her. she's the last person I would pick. Yeah, she kind of looks like a lizard person. What if she wore a wig? 
how dare you talk about her alopecia. I'm waiting for Will Smith to come to our studio door right now. <laughs> That's why I, I don't even believe door. he has alopecia. No, neither do I. I knew somebody that had it, and it wasn't like that. Um, so he did get asked some questions about his tax plan, or I'm sorry, his budget plan, the $5.8 trillion of, of absolute bullshit. And we'll just print some more money. Well, that and let's blame Trump for the current state of the oh, economy. Good. Like always, compared to 2020, that's always safe. we're reducing the size of the deficit relative to our economy by almost two-thirds, reducing inflationary pressures, and making real headway cleaning up the fiscal mess I inherited. Oh. After my president, my, excuse me, my predecessor's fiscal mismanagement, oh. we oh. were reducing the Trump deficits and returning our fiscal house to order. Now, the budget I'm releasing today will continue this approach. It makes prudent investments in economic growth, Putin more equitable economy, <laughs> while making sure corporations and the very wealthy pay their fair share. We're using recycled add, pallets now. Nobody making less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. Liar. We can yeah. do this by, one, passing legislation that lowers costs for families on things like child care, health care, and energy costs, while lowering our deficit at the same time. We can give hardworking parents raising children tax relief that gives them just oh, a little shut your just up. enough money to put gas in their tank we're at 9.8 percent here in california right now not mm. including the gas prices that's where we're at for inflation that's what we're paying you know how they were talking last week there was that guy that said inflation's already like over 11 percent in some parts of florida including jacksonville mm. yeah, the california average is at 9.87 percent i don't even know what mine is but i know that now i'm i'm almost i'm paying almost six dollars a gallon for one of my cars for pil- filling premium the other one i'm like in the middle it's over six at <laughs> no, my costco it was six, 603 yeah, at costco. I'm, I'm still paying uh five i'm doing kirkland gas for my one my suv and the other sports car I'm, I, I can only do premium premium I, yeah. I, i'm still paying 512 a gallon because i filled oh. up every gas can i own <laughs> oh, yeah, for, your <laughs> for my motorcycle there you go I haven't yeah. run out yet. Oh, I saw, you know, somebody cut me off at the gas station the other day. I was pulling in to buy cigarettes, and, and a Tesla cut me off. Like, I, uh-huh. I, I stopped and waved, and, and they didn't even look. They just pulled right in front of me. I was like, oh, okay. They're you know, so it was the fast, one. though. They probably didn't even realize it. I'm, like, sitting there at the stop saying, like, okay, I'll go fuck myself. I was clearly here before them. Yeah. And, and they had uh, their license plate was gas-free. And then <laughs> they pulled up to the gas pump, and the guy's trunk was full of gas cans. Did you take Stop a picture? It. I wanted to, but it was the guy was kind of a big military dude, and you know how that goes. Have you ever seen like the guys that try to do like the phone pranks where they're like walking down the aisle at Costco and he'd be like, "Hey, bro, I fuck your girl," and the guy's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> oh, I'm on the phone. He's like, "Fuck that!" And they like take him down to the floor. I didn't want that to happen at the gas station. You should have taken a picture. Of that would have been nope. brilliant. Yeah, I wanted to get just a picture of the plate, but when the guy got out of the car, like I could see like the shadow going up over my windshield because of how big he was. <laughs> like, how the hell do you even fit in there? So that's all I need to get pounded by. Some I just don't understand why dude. he's got a Tesla with a trunk full of gas cans. Well, here's the thing. He if probably has a motorcycle too. EMP yeah. blast or the, they turn off our grid. What well, the hell is he going to do? How is he going to charge his stupid car? Or you're not allowed to charge. Or my motorcycle won't work if there's an EMP anyway. There you go. Yeah, but you know, you know how long the lines are to, to charge these fucking cars too? And it takes a half, at least a half hour yep. to charge. A half so hour. A half hour for 30 minutes for, for three hours of driving. A half hour for three hours of driving? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I thought thought it took like seven or eight hours to charge. It's two hours for the full charge. Oh. But to be able to get from point A to B, you're supposed to do like, what do they call them, Matt Smith? These like little like snack chargers or whatever they call them. Yeah, like this little top up. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like top ups. It's so ridiculous. I mean, listen, I'm cool. I'm all like, okay, for like these hybrid, like hybrid cars. What didn't Priuses have that or are? Yeah. Like, and they charge like self charge, but they run on gas as well. Yes. That's what I have. I have the non plug in option. So it's self charges. There's like a battery thing and it does its little thing while I'm driving. And then like, you know, yeah, see, I'm cool. I'm cool with stuff like that. You know, that's fine. But like these fully electric cards, man, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, they should, they should all be, have at least the option for like, let's just say you're going to be electric forever. You should have like, let's just say something cataclysmic let's happens. Let's say the power grid goes down like yeah, we were you, talking about earlier. You should be able to have the option to transition to gas briefly and get you to wherever you're going safely. Yeah. Well, you know, you can, they, you used to be able to power vehicles with water, but the guy that invented that got. Was murdered. Murdered. <laughs> you know what? Joe Biden's out of control. We know it. Everybody knows it. Probably every single guest we're going to have on the show knows it. Who might know it also? Tucky, he broke down. Joe Biden's amazing weekend and rolled it into Monday. Let's hear it. Biden announced he was running for president again in April of 2019. It was Biden's third or fourth attempt at the office, depending how you count. So at that moment, most Americans thought they knew who Joe Biden was. After 50 years in office, they were familiar with his face. But it turns out they weren't familiar with his new face. Two months later, Biden appeared on stage in Miami for the first Democratic primary debate. And he was hard to recognize, even for people who had known him. Extensive plastic surgery made him look like a different person. But most jarring was the fact that he did not sound like the old Joe Biden. You probably remembered Biden They're as saying it again, and jovial, Irish charm by the bucket load. He was famous for that. And yet on stage, Biden came off as remote and muted. He seemed to be at times afraid to speak for fear of tripping over words or less forgetting racist. them. Several times the camera caught him just staring out into the middle's distance. He was apparently absorbed in memory. When Biden did manage to focus his attention, he seemed highly annoyed. Whatever oh, the cause, Democratic clone. primary voters were not impressed by his performance. Joe Biden's numbers dropped 10 points overnight. Now, the Biden campaign has never explained what exactly happened to Joe Biden that night in Miami, but whatever it was, they killed that it clone. never got fixed. It continues We've from that day until now. Probably the most authentic feature of Joe Biden's public performances has been his anger. It seems to come over him in waves. Watch. Focus on this man, what he's doing, that no president has ever done. No president. No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say? I'm not out of time. You spoke over time and I'm going to talk. Here's the deal. Yeah, here's the deal, Sam. Here's the deal. fact of the matter is, at what's happening here well that's not true you're saying things you do not know what you're talking about no one said that who said that what, don't who you said that? that you said i set up my son to work in an oil company isn't that what you said yes. get your word straight jack that's a great asset more inflation what a stupid son of a bitch well that one didn't age well no. So you know exactly what that is. You've seen it in people around you, people you love. It has nothing to do with politics. What you just saw is a man who is losing the ability to regulate his emotions. Uncontrollable flashes of anger are common among people who are aging, particularly among men, and they often accompany senility. Losing it is a very frustrating experience, and your heart goes out to anyone who is. We have deep sympathy for anyone in that position, including Joe Biden. 
But Biden is the president of the United States, and this is the single most volatile moment in the recent history of our country. Biden is leading the U.S. toward war. And so it's fair to assess the effect on the rest of us of his mental and emotional conditions. Not simply about age. Biden is 79. Biden is clearly unable to speak with precision. And when you're president of the United States and the world hangs on your every word, when your words constitute American policy, when you can change American policy, particularly America's foreign policy, simply by saying so, it is essential that you speak the words you intend to speak, that you not get carried away because you're mad and say something you don't mean that might threaten the long-term interests of this country. Or nuclear war. Threaten yeah. the families and the children of the rest of us and our future. But he is. That's exactly what he's doing. That's not a partisan attack. It's true. Well, yeah. I mean, it started out with making the clone references again, ended on, on a little bit more of a serious note. And, you know, we kind of pointed out all the time, but it's getting bad. Well, I mean, it was early on. Maybe they just hadn't got the cocktail sorted out yet. Or, or it's like that movie. Have you guys seen that movie Selfless with Ryan Reynolds and... um? Yes. Where they transfer the consciousness of it, like into Ryan Reynolds from an old dude. Yeah, the, Ryan Reynolds. But then, then ahead. his like his his like his um consciousness and soul is like fighting against Ben Kingsley's if he doesn't take the pills. So then it's like kind of a mashup. Oh so, yeah, I did see that one. That yeah. was a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of that situation. Maybe maybe that's what we're dealing with right now. I mean the the person that they're trying to transfer is pissed. Art imitates <laughs> life for, for sure. Yeah, you never know. I swear, I wouldn't even be surprised. They tell us things in films all the time, so I'm sure there's something going on or some research of that sort. It's definitely not the same Biden, though. We know that. No, sad and scary. Yeah, so, it is scary. And when they talk about, you know, who it's involving, it's hypothetically the president of the United States. It's one of those things where, well, impeachment's coming. And I'm hoping, you know, they talk about impeaching Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at the same time. We'll figure out what has to happen after that. We're going to be circling back with one of our good friends, Mayor Benno, soon, and we can actually talk about the logistics of what a double impeachment would look like. Oh, I could just see Nancy Pelosi rubbing her knuckles together right now. Mm. I don't even know. It, does, like it doesn't go to the Speaker of the House. That's not the way it works. Things to say. I can't even see an impeachment happening at this point, to be yeah. fair. I feel like if it gets bad enough very soon, it's going to be bad enough where there's going to be some sort of intervention yeah well who would be next in line if if they impeach both those dumb and dumbers i don't know how the designated survivor scenario goes i think the senate assumes control of the presidency but don't quote me on it yeah i have to do a little bit more research into it it's something that it's one of those things that isn't supposed to happen has probably never happened before even been the subject has been broached that could happen right um well segueing off of that but sticking with america first politics we're going to be bringing in our last guest of the day today he's running in uh the New York's 24th district for a House seat there in the midterm elections. It's going to be our first time sitting down with him. All right, joining us last on the show today, he is an attorney, a businessman, and a candidate. The U.S. House of Representatives looking to represent New York 24, America first, in the upcoming midterm elections. Mario Frado, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm a big fan. I've uh, started getting into podcasts. I haven't always been able to find the time but now that i'm driving all over i'm listening a lot more so i'm really excited to be on here oh, nice it's good to uh to hear that uh that's almost the only time i listen to podcasts is mm -hmm. when i'm driving we've, we've entered <laughs> yeah. the rotation and now i'm on two wheels most of the time so it's really hard to listen 
There you go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How's everything going with you, sir? How's the campaign uh, rollout going right now? You, you were talking to us offline about a whole bunch of deadlines and stuff. You got filings coming up. Uh, give our listenership an update. Yeah, so this this was a redistricting year. They they gerrymandered this district terribly. You know, the Democrats are in charge here in New York. And um, the nice thing that they did do is they packed us into a Republican district, and we're almost like a 25-point Republican edge here. So that was at least something positive to come out of this. But the district's massive. It's like 256 miles from end to end, um, you know, over four hours of driving. I tell people you could drive across the state of Ohio and you'd still have to drive another half hour to get out of this district. <laughs> so it's, it's huge. And, um, that makes it sometimes more challenging, but yeah, the petitions are due in another week or so. Um, also we have filings for financial, um, the quarterly reports. So the end of the month, and that's big as far as how much money you've raised to show that you're viable and everything else. So we're kind of focusing on both of those right now. Nice. Great to hear. What what encouraged you to get in this race right now and uh, be looking to represent the people of New York 24? Well, I've, I'm born and raised in this area, and people had asked me to run for, for office in the past for different things. I had a lot going on, and I also didn't feel the need like I do now. But I tell people this time was really different. I think the whole country feels that way, that they see how bad it's getting and what the left, you know, especially the Biden administration was able to do in just one year after the the great years we had under President Trump. I think it shocks a lot of people. I think we're seeing a lot of independents that are just incredulous right now to how bad it is between Biden and Harris. And I personally didn't think this was the best time for me. Um, I told you guys offline here that, that my wife just had a baby a month ago. Um, she had it actually right during the week of all the committee meetings. So I had wow. to miss a couple meetings oh. to get endorsements, but obviously family first, um, you know, I, I had to get there. So it is what it is with that. But I thought about it and, and I told people, um, I actually just spoke at an event for Lee Zeldin and I got a little choked up because I was talking about my son and it made me think about, you know, 10, 15 years from now, when he, when he starts to understand a little about what's going on in the world and I'm talking politics with him or about, you know, some issues, I don't want to sit there and tell my own son that I could have done all this. I had these good ideas, but eh, it wasn't the right time or it was mm. inconvenient or whatever it is. And I, I see his future and the future of a lot of kids um, right now after what we saw with COVID. It doesn't look bright as it should, right. you know, or bright at all. And I, I want to make a difference. Yeah, that's some really good, you know, points you bring up there, especially in regards to the kids. We talk about it on the show a lot. Um, Antoinette and myself are both parents. And, uh, you know, we have seen firsthand some of the negative effects that the COVID and the lockdowns and the whole, you know, my kids are a little bit older school age uh, to where they're actually into it right now are really having some struggles in, in regards to, you know, everything that happened with the lockdowns and all this other stuff out here. And, uh, you know, we, we know it's more of a, that's a epidemic nationwide uh, what's going on against the kids right now. So that's good to see is one of the, you know, deciding factors for you, obviously, to get in this race again. Congratulations for, you know, having that healthy baby there. And then uh, let's start talking about uh, some of your campaign platform. What are some of the major pillars that you're looking to roll out that's really going to identify with the people up there in New York 24? Well, my my top issue personally, and I think it's it's a lot of people, they just don't know it yet, is that we need to get ourselves off of China, depending on China. Um I think it's a slap in the face to the 58 some odd thousand people who died in Vietnam 
and fighting the Korean War that they send us into these these small countries where the, there's a civil war going on, basically. And they tell us we need to stop the spread of communism. And since uh, Mao's China, basically, we've been building it up. The most yeah. powerful communist country in the world is our number one trading partner. We're losing our jobs. We're in debt to China. They're manipulating currency. They're, they're, they're stealing our information. They're, they're pirating all sorts of stuff, um, you know, patents, everything else. And we are in a position now where we're vulnerable that we see what's happening with Russia with these sanctions and where we don't want to trade with them. And we're not in a position to do that with China. God no. forbid China cuts us off. This country collapses, you know, and we saw the pandemic. Um, you know, we know it came out of China. That's that's indisputable. But we depended on China to fix it for us after by 90 percent of the antibiotics we need come out of China. Yep. You know, we used to make those things here and in, in uh, up until 2004, um, this country was producing penicillin. We don't do that anymore. Um, the last factory closed in 2004. And at one point, that factory was 70% of the world supply. So I think uh, the, we're, we're on more prescription drugs than anywhere in the world. I think we take something like 75% and we're only 5% of the world's population. Um, those drugs, anything that I think is an essential medicine on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines should be made here. If we're going to subsidize anything, I'm not a big government guy. I'm very conservative, but put money into things that are actually looking out for the health and welfare of American people. And the last thing we want to do is count on China for that. Sure. That's an excellent point there. I mean, when you look at it, close to 25 percent of our economy is is relying on China right now. And like you said, if we just decided to do the same thing we're doing with China in regards to what's happening with Russia right now, the, the economy essentially would collapse if, if almost a quarter of it and nearly half a trillion dollars annually was just wiped away like we did with, uh, you know, some of the energy things from Russia. We saw how much that, you know, made the gas prices go crazy so far, and they're still rising. Right. And, and that's the thing that people don't realize that, that with China, it's about the money, because if it was on principle, we would never deal with them. They're, they're terrible. They oppress people. They have basically concentration camps with the Uyghurs, um, you know, human rights violations. We, we talk this talk all the time. You know, I have a, a one of my pinned tweet on Twitter is talking about what I said about the, the war, you know, fighting communism. Yet we deal with China. But the point I think resonates with people is that you can't buy a Cuban cigar a small island in the Caribbean we've been boycotting, we won't deal with because of communism, supposedly, you know, but we can get fentanyl coming in from China. We can get hundreds of billions of dollars of trade with China every year. Yeah. So it's we've been sold out. It's it's for corporate interest that, you know, they lobby, they send the jobs overseas and they put us in this position. And it's both sides of the aisle. I tell people, don't just say it's the Democrats because there's a lot of Republicans that are in there for themselves and they're not looking out for the people on the ground. Yeah. They've lost the, the focus of what they probably originally ran on. And then they lose interest of what's really important to the country because they get to a certain point, whether it be the insider trading, special interests, lobby groups that they're not a regular, Absolutely. they're not an average American anymore. It just doesn't look, resonate with them anymore. Look at Chris Jacobs, my opponent in, in this race, the first bill he introduced when he got to Congress was for real estate developers to shield themselves from liability <laughs> if a construction worker gets hurt on their project. And he's a real estate developer. So yeah. the, the people in this district are blue collar. I'm a construction worker. OK, that's what my family does. Um, these guys get hurt. And the first thing you do is put it in our face. And instead of do something to help construction workers, 
help people, blue collar guys, you come in and say, hey, this will help me. And that's what I'm going to put into Congress. And unfortunately, with the money behind them and the machine being what it is, it's hard to get rid of these guys. And oh, it, yeah. it's sad that we we need term limits now. I I uh, initially, you know, when I was 18, 20 years old, I thought you should be able to vote for whoever you want. There should never be term limits because you should be able to put the person that you want to be there and not say, oh, he had too much time. If he's representative of that community, he should be there. But now I see the other side of that is that people make a career out of this. Our founders never intended that. I don't think they, they, they saw it that you go, you serve a couple terms, maybe you go back to your business but you don't come in like Joe Biden at 29 as a senator and stay there for 50 years, you know, and become and, a millionaire. They did, yeah, exactly. I don't, I, he's lived off taxpayers his whole life. He hasn't created anything and that wasn't the intention. So I think that's why that was overlooked because even the founders couldn't see that far down the road that people would really just make careers out of this because they had the foresight people like Washington, uh, you know, George Washington said, look, this two party system's dangerous. They, they might just get in office and seek revenge on the other party every time and not do the people's business, which is exactly what's happening. So I think it was just shocking to them to think people would want to spend 40 years in Congress. They, they would go a couple years and come home. And, mm -hmm. and we need to get back to that. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And, uh, you know, the next thing I want to touch on with you is you brought it up briefly in that last statement was you talked about jobs. It's a big, huge blue collar component to New York 24. There's a lot of, uh, like you said, people in construction, there's manufacturing, there's a huge ag component out there uh, that are really important to the people in that area, plus some, some energy stuff that goes on in upstate New York. And, you know, we, we've seen uh, this administration put such the brakes on, on that whole just the American family, the blue collar worker. What do you? What are some of the things you're proposing to work with your uh, counterparts in Washington D.C. once you win this House seat to to bring those jobs back to your district? Well, first we need to to stop the wasteful spending because we're we're robbing from the little guy. You know, it's easy if you got ten million dollars and the dollar loses half its value because of an, uh, you know hyperinflation, you still got five million. But the guy who's got a hundred grand in his 401k or his yep. annuity, and he's trying to retire and you know pay off his mortgage if he can to take his hundred down to 50k, you just crushed him, sure. you know. And they don't think about that. So I think the the key to stopping the inflation is cutting this government spending, and we need to get rid of a lot of departments uh, altogether, like the Department of Education. You know, a lot of people don't realize that that was founded in '79 under Jimmy Carter. Yep. That we, I think my parents got a, a hell of a lot better education than the kids are getting now. And it was left up to the local government. The feds had nothing to do with it. So I think we got to cut a lot of that spending and, 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 you know, you wouldn't see things like critical race theory. And if, if we can't get rid of the department of ed, I would like to see the, the Congress pass a bill that says any school district that's teaching critical race theory or the 1619 project or transgender or sex ed for little kids, you get no federal funding whatsoever. Makes sense. You know, they did the same thing. They did the same thing to, to cut, to raise the drinking age by saying, well, you'll get no federal highway funds for, for the interstate if you don't raise the drinking age at 21. And they all did it. So uh, I think that's one thing, but, but, getting off of China would bring those jobs back. Right. And, you know, we make we make the best solar panels in the world here, but they're too expensive because China's got their cheap garbage solar panels and we end up buying those. So all, all the policies the left is pushing is hurting the American worker. 
You know, they want more spending that's weakening our dollar. They want to get us on solar and electric vehicles, which is going to give the advantage to China making those garbage panels and China with all the cobalt and lithium and all the mines they have in Africa and everywhere else is going to be providing um, the the products to make that. So we're we're only helping China. We're pushing ourselves more into their arms with these Green New Deals and these taxes. And we got enough coal here to go for another 300 years at, at our current rates, and they don't want us to use it. Yet, I, I, you know, I've been to China. You get off the plane, you smell it. It doesn't go away. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I thought I thought it was just an industrial area near the airport, but it was everywhere. And they're they're the biggest polluter in the world. And they're not following any of these, um, you know, Paris Accords or whatever we want to get into. And how are you going to compete with that? Oh, so it, I think we need to focus on the little guy and, and what works. Yeah, no, it, it, you make excellent points there. It's like, you know, the biggest uh, player in this game who's committing most of the things that we supposedly champion here runs major parts of our entertainment industry, sports, the government, they intellectual property stuff that they steal in regards to medicine, both good kinds and bad. You know, when you talk about right. things like penicillin and, and fentanyl and then jobs and how they're infiltrating the uh, education system with, uh, you know, close to 400,000 uh, student visa holders here, et cetera, et cetera, Buy, buying up waterfront property, you name it. And China's pretty much got their hands on it right now. And it's one of those things that we've just gotten so comfortable with it that, uh, you know, eventually they will take what they need and then we will no longer be of use to them. And that's when we run into some really big problems and we're heading down that road right now. A lot of people don't think, listen, whether it's whatever's going on in Russia and Ukraine or Will Smith slapping uh, Chris Rock at the Oscars, they just keep throwing out these distractions to keep your eyes off what the most legitimate and, and scariest problem for this country is right now. Exactly. And it just goes to show you what it's all about. You know, I, I, I remember, um, Back in the early 90s, um, my, my, my grandfather, who had passed away, he had a shirt and it said, kick their, uh, you know, take their gas when it was the Gulf War. Yeah. And I'm like, at least they were honest about that kind of stuff back then. You know, it, it, you knew why they were going in. Even now, you look at Ukraine, the parts that Russia's going into, it's where all the shale and the oil reserves and yep. it's almost perfectly what they want to control. And when there's nothing in it for us, we don't care. You know, we go into these places when there's something in it for us. And with China, it's the opposite. We're staying out of it because we're trading with China. Same with the Saudis. You know, the Saudis got the oil and they, we know 9-11, a lot of terrorist attacks. Sure, they're, yep. they're financing, they're behind it. And we never say boo about them because it's the money. And I would rather see people come out and be honest about it straight up and, and tell us, look, we need China right now. The country's dependent on China. If we if we turn the valve off tomorrow with our dealing with them, we'll collapse. So we're trying to get off it, but we need them. So we're ignoring some of the, the bad stuff they're doing because we don't want to upset them. Yeah. And it, that's what you see with the NBA and, and all these woke corporations that, that count on China. But at least be honest about it because the, the American people are, are wisening up to this stuff. And you think that we saw... You know, they talk about January 6th and other things where people were upset and, and lashed out a little bit. If they if this country gets into a bad spot with China, I think it would be pandemonium. I mean, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, talking about supply chains and, and talking about um, energy and everything else. It would just be terrifying to see what people would do 
And it would be all sides. It wouldn't be Republicans. It wouldn't be Democrats. It would just be the American people united um, against what their government's doing to them. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely make an excellent point there. Listen, Mario, we want to be able to invite you back and have you join us on the show after the primary. Hopefully you're going to be the uh, person that's representing New York 24 in Washington, D.C. after the midterm elections. But we want to first direct as much of our listenership to you to be able to support you, the campaign you got going on and everything you're doing out there right now. So your website for your race and then uh, social medias, please. Um, So MarioForCongress.com is my website. You can go there to volunteer or donate. Um, on Twitter, it's at Mario Frato, and it's just F-R-A-T-T-O. Um, I'm on Facebook. At, uh, I have Mario Frato for Congress page on there. I also have a YouTube channel, Making the Case with Mario Frato, um, and I, I haven't been using it too much lately, but I had a, a pretty good following on there. You can catch me there. Um, and if I could just get a last word in, because I did, we didn't get to touch on it, and Go I ahead. just want to say that Chris Jacobs is my opponent in this race. I want um, Republican voters to look at his record and look at how he sponsored a bill um, for transgender rights that allows men and women sports, boys and girls bathrooms. He voted to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of only 11 uh, Republicans that did that. He voted for the NDAA, which which has red flag laws to seize guns. He voted for amnesty in the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Uh, allowing illegals, their wives, their kids to get amnesty and a pathway to citizenship. Um, You know, he voted for a January 6th commission, one of only 35 to do that. We get 35 Republicans voting for that, 11 Republicans voting to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene, yet we only got seven Democrats to investigate Benghazi when four Americans died. So the Republican Party's got a problem. Chris Jacobs is a total rhino, and he should not be in office. He should not be representing anybody. And if he is, he should be a Democrat like he was in the 90s, you know, but it's just a shame that that's what we're getting. And if I if I'm not in this race, that's what this district's going to get stuck with. And I think the people deserve better. So I hope I can get some support out there to take this guy on because I'm really the only shot we got. And, and I just don't think we deserve something like that. Excellent point. You know, you make there and it's one of those things. A lot of these rhinos who have been living large off of, you know, hiding those votes into the low numbers of people who do so. They've got a real awakening coming for them uh, come the midterm elections this year because the red wave that's coming through of true America first candidates like you are is, is one of the ones that we have not seen probably in either one of our lifetimes. No. And God forbid, if we lose this election, Nobody will vote again Mm-mm. because they won't believe it. This should be like 94. So if we don't win this, if we don't take the House um, and, and the Senate back, then I don't think you'll see Republicans voting again. Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent point you make, too. You know, we, we haven't done enough to secure our voting systems moving forward. So we're going to have to use the Virginia model and overwhelm the polls this uh, November and really get the numbers out there like never before to make sure we get overwhelming majorities in the House and then take back the Senate for sure by at least three or four seats. Amen. So this is the America First candidate who's looking to represent New York 24 in the upcoming midterm elections. Mario Frado, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me. It was good sitting down with Mario for the first time today. Yeah. And we'll be for sure looking to have him back on the Steak for Breakfast podcast. This is a really great show that you can listen to across all major downloadable podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and now exclusively via the Roku app, Patriot Podcast Network. Look it up, download it, and you can watch well, the static logo of our show instead of just listening to it on the phone. So 
subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits of the week obviously go to our great guest today, Kyle Scheidelder. It was great sitting him down with him for the first time. We're going to be having him back at some point in the near future for sure. In addition to that, senatorial candidate Jim Lehman from the state of Arizona and house candidate running in New York 24, Mario Fratto. In addition to that, our internet friends, Cagbro88, heating up again with the uh, Clinton lawsuit stuff. Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, and Tom Pabert, the editor-in-chief of The National File. Friends, don't forget to get out there and support our partners. Are you... Uh, throwing some money at them it only helps make small american businesses great again my pillow home of the humblest pillow farmer and my pillow my slippers my bathrobe my blanket and giza dream everything enter stake at checkout for big big savings you can do so on the website mypillow.com forward slash stake is our link or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative 1-800-658-8045 Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. Even if you're into gaming, they have console specifics for the Xbox and PlayStation versions of their headphones, which make the uh, listening experience that much better. I wear them so there's no other amazing you should get them for yourself. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. If you would like a picture of uh, Joe Biden saying, come on, man, when the press is heckling him, They'll put it on a concealed carry Kydex holster for you. Get orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. Sometimes I stutter when I think about eating foods rubbed with man rubs. (laughs) You buy it. You shake it. You sprinkle it. Rub it. Smoke it. Or slow cook it. Drizzle a little barbecue sauce on it. Num, num, num. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Pretty simple equation for what he's got going on down there. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. 619-870 is the phone number. 619-870-6992 is the phone number. And you can find him on Facebook Messenger as well. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. At the end of the day, if you love only one thing, besides the things that they sell on their website, it's going to be their IG com is the website. And last but certainly not least, home of the zero fuck stuck, dumpbox.us. You don't know? Go ask Mark. Find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back on Friday with Biggie. Still confirmed. No one's canceled. Looking good. Cash Patel, Amanda Milius. You're welcome. Steak for breakfast listenership. Do it. That's... I have probably have to give up a small portion of my soul for that one afterwards. Right. We'll be back the following Tuesday with Shu Abdi-Rahman running in Minnesota 5. Rod Honeycutt running in North Carolina 11. In addition to that, Real America's Voices, Heather Mullins and Alex Brusowitz. He was on Tim Pool last night. It seems like that's the round that they make. They go on Tucky, they go on Tim Pool, and they finally man up and sit down with steak for breakfast. They'll all be here next Tuesday. Next Friday, we got a great one coming your way. Vishbura is going to be joining us. He just asked yesterday to make it a longer segment than uh, originally planned, and we're going to do so. Uh, One American News' is Cynthia Kawhi will be here as well. We're going to do a family-related piece with Robbie and Landon Starbuck. And I just got confirmation we're going to get an update, even a stake exclusive, Ooh. from the campaign trail with senatorial candidate Adam Nevada, Adam Lexall. We're not going there yet. <laughs> 
the following week, we'll have Frank Polo running in Florida 27. Myra Flores, who's running in Texas 34. Both candidates joining us. In addition to that, we'll be circling back with Amir Benno, constitutional attorney and Newsmax contributor. We got a couple different things to talk about. I want to talk about Trump lawsuits and what does double impeachment mean. So listenership, make a note and remind me on social medias. The following Friday, we'll have Kelly Townsend and Christina Bobbin with us on the 15th. And so far, we're scheduled up to the 19th. We're going to have Luna Lopez, Florida 4 House candidate, Jason Preston, and his wife will be circling back with us. We're going to do a segment with them. He's running in Utah 3, and then we'll finally get an update on the Reawaken American Tour from Clay Clark. Nice. He got this uh, dispatch to Oregon a day early today, so he had to reschedule. Friends of the Week. Sublime and Slime, Karm Vibes, What I Mean to Say, Hugh White Memes, The Real Smokehannas, we did a collab yesterday, Grand Old Memes, That Southern Dude, Dumbass Photoshop, The Silent Meme Jordy, Snack Thickelson, Backup Accounts, Uncharted Waters Now, <laughs> Hispanics for DeSantis, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember before now next week. There you go. Your own research? <laughs> of course. If I would have had my own research done, I wouldn't be stuttering through the outro as much as I want to. In addition to that, it's been a long day and we're very tired. Yeah. At least the show is a banger. I'd rather fuck up the last four minutes than the first three hours. Segwaying straight off that, start a podcast. As you can tell, when it's unscripted and uh, completely organic, it's super simple and easy. You won't ever mess up flub phone numbers, websites, email addresses, or have Noah rolling his eyes at me because I forgot what to say. <laughs> And last but certainly not least, just kidding. Let's see what happens. <laughs> this has been episode 120 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Friday with probably the hottest podcast we've ever had before. Episode 121 will feature Amanda Milius and Cash Patel. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Love you. Antoinette. Ciao. Thanks for listening, and take care. for you but at the end of the day fuck you and your new world order and fuck the horse you rode in on and all your shit